Hey everybody, I just want to take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Film is Truth. It's a locally owned and operated non-profit video rental store, and it's the last one in town. They have a collection of over 19,000 films in VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray, so no matter what platform you watch on, you can find the film you're looking for. They have a little bit of everything, but specialize in foreign, independent art house and documentary films, which is super cool because they likely have a selection that you won't be able to find in larger stores or even on some of the larger streaming platforms. Film is Truth is open from noon to 9 p.m. every day and can be found here in Bellingham at 1530 Cornwall Avenue inside of the Terra Organic Market. That's convenient for you because you can get your food and your films in one stop. If you are a non-local listener, then you can find them at filmistruth.com or at facebook.com at filmistruth. Alright, you lovely listeners, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Back to Back Films Podcast. This week we're talking about those films that we have constantly brought up on the show, Ghost and the Neon Demon. I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jake. I'm surprised we didn't do Drive for this. It was up. It was a toss-up between, like, eight movies, so, you yeah. know. Yeah. It was either Drive... Well, it would have been Only God Forgives or Neon Demon were the tough ones. But we yeah. also brought up Antichrist quite a bit. True. And Corinne movies, so Corinne yeah. was up there. So there was a lot of movies to choose from, but we only could choose one because Jacob chose the other. So yeah, <laughs> and all I, I think... talk about is ghosts, so we had to do ghosts. Exactly. Yeah. So, but the Neon <laughs> Demon I think captures quite a bit of what we like in movies in general. So it's a good choice, I think. Yeah, yeah um, it's a good choice. So I want to kick this episode off with something that I've brought up on this show before in the spirit of such things. So before we talked about, well, we talked about the Pedro Almodovar film, but then before that we talked about how Netflix movies were kind of getting shafted at Cannes. And I would like to say that I was kind of wrong and hasty with my opinion. I'll I'll go, I'll go. out and say that um i still kind of think that there is a system that could be set up to help because netflix movies are can be good and sometimes can be deserving of of the awards or the recognition yeah but i was reading because uh an article came up that said that um netflix is officially banned from um entering their movies into competition yeah what does that and what does that mean? Like what that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna talk about. So can has competition where you enter your films to be rated and you know to essentially compete for like the Palme d'Or, you know, the 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 premier award. Um but Netflix is not allowed to be involved in that part. Now, they can be in can out of competition. They can be shown at the festival itself. Yeah. Which is an important distinction. Because there is out-of-competition screenings and there's in-competition screenings. The reason is, and this was interesting because this was Spielberg talking about this. Oh, I read this. And yeah. he was basically saying, like, part of the reason is that film 
they're trying to create the distinction between the the made for TV movies, which is essentially what Netflix is, yeah. and the cinema movies, yeah. the film dumb, the stuff that was designed to go to the theaters. And at first, I was kind of like, "That's bullshit." But when you start to think about it a little bit more, you also think too, the reason why competitions exist in film festivals partly is to get um, distribution for your film. Right. A lot of films hinge on getting distribution to festivals, which is not a good way to go about doing it. Especially Don't. at the can. Right. Festival. Especially yeah. that where the competition is at its peak. Yeah. Um, it's not a good way to, to have your film plan, you know, rely on film festivals for distribution, but part of it is going to festivals and trying to get hype around your film. In that sense, if you, if you follow that logic, then Netflix films don't Netflix films don't make any sense there because right. they their distributor is Netflix. They have distribution. The reason why you saw them was because of Netflix already. Um, and and a lot of these films that are Netflix quote unquote original films or whatever aren't really made by Netflix. Netflix has their films that they produce and their shows that they produce. But they also buy a lot of material, right. and when they buy it, they're saying, okay, we're buying the rights to it to say that this is our film now. Yeah. And that means that that film was already made and got distribution through Netflix. So the festival circuit doesn't make a lot of sense for it because now it's become a made-for-TV movie, essentially. Right. Right. So coming from that angle of things, I had to take a step back and be like, okay, I can kind of see where they're coming from, where... There's, you know, if you're gunning for the cinema and you're and you're still working on distribution or trying to get your movie hyped and you didn't go the the VOD route, and, you know, Amazon is in there too. Amazon, Apple, Google, Netflix, all of the ones who are Hulu. trying to produce content, yeah, Hulu. Hulu. These Paramount are all Network made now. for TV. What's that? The Paramount Network now. <laughs> oh, the Paramount Network. I didn't even hear about this. Yeah. So Paramount Network, like... Oh, God, I hope that plane doesn't get caught on the mics. (laughs) If you go from that route and that thought process, then you're like, okay, this does make sense. Why they are trying to say, look, you can't enter because you've already done everything. Right. Like, you know, you're you're made for TV. You know, you don't have straight to DVD movies in film festivals. And I think another important part of it, too, is just the historic um, aspect of it. Because I know that the president of the Cannes Film Festival said... and this is something that's very true with the French, especially with cinema. They kind of consider themselves the country that kind of started film as like an art form, as something that you would go to the theater for. The, mm-hmm. You know, the Lumiere brothers were French, you know, and uh, um, they take a lot of pride in um, film as a French thing. Um, Absolutely. So the historic aspect of getting a film shown and released in a theater to an audience is very important to them. That's a part of what film is as an art form. So when you're coming from a film festival, that's France's like jewel of all festivals of all art forms. Right. Um, it's important that they keep a identity true to the French spirit. So, in that aspect too, I, I I see where they're coming from. Yeah, um, it it makes a lot of yeah. sense when you're and you think about, and you kind of some people might be like, well, you're being elitist or purist or whatever. But I do support the livelihood of the theater 
because I think that is an experience. Like a lot of people are like, well, why go to the theater when I can just watch it at home? Yeah. Because your home is not nearly as equipped technologically yeah. to right. just watch a movie like a theater is. And even if you watch something in a home theater, not a, not everyone has a home theater. Yeah. Right. You know. For so, me, it's for me, it's just focus. Uh, like as simple as that. Like right. equipment aside, uh, when you watch a movie at home, you can pause it. Like the whole the time space relationship you have with the movie is gone because you can. I can rewind. sit on my phone the whole movie. Yeah. You can sit yeah. on your phone. You can pause it and do dishes. Uh, but when you go to the theater and you sit down and you experience something with a bunch of people, that is an entirely different experience. You know, absolutely. Right. You had to. I, you had to no, make an ahead. effort to like go out there. Like you had to make an effort to like. Okay, we're gonna go see a movie. And have this moment, like, you know, like, imagine watching The Last Jedi for the first time at your house. That would fucking blow, dude. Yeah. There's so much about that movie that's, like, meant for the big screen and the big sound. Yeah, and and, yeah. and, and watching it with a whole bunch of fucking fans. Yeah. Whether they like yeah. it or not, it's it still makes that experience exactly. an experience. <laughs> yeah. I watched last night, or this past week for the listeners it was this past week uh i watched ready player one uh last night for you guys because we're recording on saturday uh really pulling the curtain here um <laughs> but uh that was great because it was around all these like it was like that loud spielberg crowd you know how they're yeah. always like talking over the movie <laughs> and it's like kind of annoying but it was kind of great at the same time because you can't get that at home you know and it was all these people who like love that book and want that like and there's a bunch of gamer types there, and it was just yeah. really cool, like being in the theater and experiencing the movie with these people. But of course, you have like those uh, Spielberg like complainer types, you know, like the elitist. <laughs> they're like elite film goers, but they only watch Spielberg movies. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, those people are irritating to me, but uh, <laughs> I kind of I can laugh at them now because like I expect them to be yeah. in every Spielberg uh, showing that I go to. They're like right up there with the the film bros, kind of. They they are kind of like, yeah, they are kind of like pre film bros. Like they're like yeah. prepping, yeah. But they're like, like anyone, yuppie, they're like yuppier version, like a yuppier version of the film. Yeah. Bro. They're like they're Two like sides yuppies, of the same coin. yuppies who are like now super old, but they were yeah. yuppies. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. Yes, and and that's like an experience that you just like fine if you want to stay home and watch stuff. That's great, but like just because you are a fucking hermit doesn't mean <laughs> I want to be a hermit. You know, like I like to go out. I like to be around other people. It likes it's fun. It's it's nice. Like you know, that's your prerogative if you want to stay home and watch it. But that doesn't mean that this mode of you know society or this this part of social functioning like the going to movies or going to concerts should die because you want to stay home and watch your shit like that's you know like it shouldn't be forced upon us to have something as good as the cinema die because you know of home movies yeah right and i watch a lot of home stuff like i I do but i also like to go to the theater yeah you know so and i i think people can just should be able to just do what they want you know like if these I mean, these uh, cans guys, like, they can, this is their choice. You know what I mean? And yeah. honestly, the people who were, like, going to bat for Netflix, like, to be at cans, they're not going to cans anyways. They're staying yeah, at home they don't watching give a Netflix. Shit. Yeah. So, like, that's, like, not even their audience. So, if people are pissed off at this, then, like, oh, okay, <laughs> like, cans is not affected at all. You know what I mean? That's so, the thing. It's two entirely different sets of people. 
And so it doesn't really one doesn't really affect the other. Like having Netflix at Cannes or not doesn't affect what Cannes will do. They're right, still going to be still fucking there. prestigious. Exactly, it's right. still going to yeah. be. Uh, well, and the president of the Cannes Film Festival even said that it's not like they're banning Netflix for life because they still want to have a relationship with Netflix. And maybe if they if Netflix comes up with a um, a plan to actually have theatrical releases of their netflix original films then they're like well yeah if they get a theatrical release then yeah we'll show their movie in competition and they just don't have that that. yet well well, they've tried to skirt it a little bit by having their movies shown in theaters for a limited time to be entered but if you if they yeah it's it's basically like if netflix just has a theater run like a normal movie yeah and then releases it on netflix after that is a typical distribution plan I mean, that, that's it. Like, well, and then, like, Spielberg was saying that he doesn't want to have, like, these, like, Hulu or whatever to, like, do, like, a limited theatrical run. Where it's, right. like, in, like, you know, 12 cities across the U.S. and, like, right. one theater, you know, exactly. sort of thing. Like, he's like, well, what, you know, they're just doing that just so that they can be in the film festivals, right. you know, they, like. They do the bare minimum. Right, right. Yeah. So he's kind of, like, against that, too. But, you know, Netflix is making fucking so much money and they're. There's they they can afford a, I'm sure a theatrical like a wide release of a film. You oh know? yeah, totally. But they it they're could, trying to keep people on their platform, right? Right. right. So. It could be very lucrative for them too. I mean, you know, because they, they're getting into the, you know, into the risk taking part of filmmaking, which you know, it's right. just you're just placing bets. You know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if it's a good movie, people will paid the $10 subscription for Netflix, they might even pay a $40 to take their family out, yeah. you know, price tag to go see the movie in theaters and then watch it again at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, in like Netflix, they could do so many different things. They could be like, hey, if you're a Netflix subscriber, you get $5 off your tickets if you go see a Netflix movie in theaters or something like that, right? Mm-hmm, and right. they get a profit of that ticket from the the theater chain or whatever. You know, like there's so many things that they can do that would be beneficial to both the audience and them as yeah. a company and not lose any money. You I, know? Don't, like, I don't think theaters would allow that to happen because theaters be tough. They, they're so obsessed with um, making sure every movie has the same price tag. But if it were up to the studios, star Wars would be like 30 bucks a pop and yeah, other movies totally. would be uh, way less expensive, but yeah. it's the theaters that are keeping that consistent ticket. But price. they said, but they said yes to movie pass. Not really. <laughs> what they what they said to because they're still getting they're still getting money. A- AMC push is pushing hard against MoviePass, and it's now banned in the most significant AMC's across the country. You know, so oh, like okay. downtown Seattle, it's not allowed. Uh, in New York, it's not allowed. Not in the greater New York, but like in like the big theaters, right. um, they just turn you down if you have the MoviePass thing. Uh, the the theater chains are still getting money. Um, but uh, AMC is pushing against that because they don't want to set the precedent, you know. Of, right, like, this right. is the, this is the new ticket price, um, right? Yeah, they want to be able to increase it, you know, every year essentially, like little bits, little bits here and there. They'll increase it by twenty five cents or whatever, you know, and, and rake in the extra cash. You know, that's why a movie ticket is like twelve bucks now. Right. Yeah. 
So what's interesting about the Neon Demon is it was made as just a Nicholas Winding Refn film, and then at the Cannes Film Festival, it was bought by Amazon Studios, and then it became an Amazon, an Amazon original, film. which is now you can you know watch it on Prime if right. you're a Prime subscriber. Yeah, um, and then he had such a good relationship with Amazon that yes, they funded dude. his TV show. God, so, I'm so stoked! Now with Amazon money, he's actually making his tv show that will come out next year like dream tv show yeah so like and if this okay let's uh i want to talk about that i just want to preface or end this can discussion real quick saying netflix can be at can just not in competition that's extremely important to point out they're not banned from can and they probably will have some films shown at can anyway because they'll probably have some films that are official selection just not in competition right exactly so it's like it's just you know, because they're Netflix, they have exposure anyway. Everyone's yeah. going to see their fucking movie because they can put it right at the top when you open yeah. up the Netflix apps or yeah. whatever. It's right there. Um, so anyway, but I do want to talk about this real quick. His TV show because there's something really cool going on. If you follow that them on Facebook, probably other platforms too. Yeah, and what, Instagram too. Yeah. And Instagram, yeah. they're doing live streams of their production, which is fucking awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's really so cool. cool. It's basically he sets up a camera at one point. And they just let it roll. And you get to watch how a show gets made. And sometimes you catch interesting stuff. And sometimes you catch the in-between where people are kind of like standing around almost and just chilling um, between setups or between takes or whatever they're doing. Um, But it's so cool to see that there's like there's this live window into how a TV show is being made. Yeah. It's just fuck. And then he does interviews with the cast. He'll like just, you know, like Jenna Malone had an interview, you know, which she's a neon demon. Like the interview of just talking about the show and and like their relationship in film yeah and, and sometimes uh, it's know, just like, uh Refin by himself yeah and his right. little red he's got this little <laughs> red hat that's a like, mocking the donald trump red hat make america <laughs> great again make tv great this again this says make tv great again. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that's, you can see him in his signature like uh i don't remember what it's called he, but he's got he that wrap it, around him he calls it it's not a comfort blanket it's something blanket that he uses that he he's been doing since i believe valhalla rising or bronson where he wraps himself in this blanket and for it, like luck yeah and it keeps like so, like some sort of energy or something like within him i don't mm-hmm. know it's interesting, but it, he's a big he's the godson like the real godson of uh, alejandro uh, alejandro jodorowsky and it was something that uh, Jodorowsky and him like, oh, okay. got together or something about yeah, cuz yeah. he's a big big fan of jodorowsky's stuff yeah um, sorry, uh, we well, cut you off, Jake. No, no you're cool. Uh, one thing that I really like about the uh, this like a digital revolution of cameras and stuff is the amount of exposure that we get to sets. You know, yep. so it's cheaper to make things now uh, with with cameras and stuff. But we're also getting more cameras around, more behind the scenes photos, yep. and I think it's really cool that. Uh, we live in an age where we can watch something like that and get that exposure. You know, uh, especially the young kids who. Uh, um, are going to be the future filmmakers, and they're going to be way better than <laughs> what we would even be, you know, because right, they have right. that exposure. Uh, Dude, so. it's crazy. Like, you can see how a movie gets made and make one live. when you're, like, 12. Live. Live, yeah, it's Live. Nuts. It's just literally everything. You know, these live streams go on for hours, man. Yeah. It's crazy because it, it really does pull the curtain. Um, So people that aren't interested don't have to watch it. Exactly. You know, and the people that are that are intrigued by how it runs and like can can watch it and like you said it's like a, it's a window um and it, what's great about it is it shows 
how boring a film set could be. Yeah, so you know? boring. But it could yeah. also show, like you said, like really cool parts where you're like, oh, damn, that's how they lit that. I, I want to see what that looks like mm-hmm. the, with the finished product. Yep. You know, like it almost makes it so you're like you're like because you're part of the process. The when you go see it, you're like, wow, I was like there, like this is close to me yeah, now yeah, because yeah, I right. saw it happen. You know, like, it's super cool. So, and the the show is called Too Old to Die Young, uh, which is. In my opinion, kind of a dumb title, but um, it looks super cool. Yeah. It's basically kind of like a, a modern, like neo noir with essentially like modern takes on samurais. You know what and, I mean? And, like and a little bit of western, and a little bit of western. Yeah. It's kind of got a crime. It's crime thriller um, is what its base is. With, but he kind of describes yeah. it as these like samurais, you know, in, in LA essentially. Um, wow. Fucking, it looks yeah. fucking, it's cool. I, it's got I a think, cool cast. I, I think it's going to be a huge hit. Honestly, I think, so. I think Reffin's at this point where he's going to see like some large commercial success, you know, like he got it yeah. with drive, but I think the show's really going to push him forward. I um, think so. As, think so. as like yeah. a more of a powerhouse. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think like, um, people, in the industry um know him as someone that's super visionary like image wise and that's why he's been able to do some like really big commercials for like gucci and exactly and lincoln and stuff yeah. like that because visually he's got such a fucking signature and i think it's almost like all these little things these these commercials and stuff and and these like independent films like neon demon only god forgives are just like priming him for something that is just going to like you said explode you like, know? You, like, <laughs> like you can be an audience member and fairly accurately and and you know crap all over neon demon and god only god forgives i can see why people don't like them right but at the same time there's some people who are looking at him that are like like you said he's making these commercials you don't get tapped to make these you know expensive commercials because you made a shitty movie is because they liked your style because they saw something. Yeah. Amazon doesn't tap you to make a full series, you know, TV series because they thought your stuff was schlock. It was because they thought it was good. I mean, that's what's interesting about Refn is that you can really shit on his movies. Like you can, I can see why people really just dislike his movies, but you can't leave watching one of his films without like those images in your head. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like the neon demon was in my head for like a week. I could not (laughs) stop thinking about it. It was crazy. All right. So our main topic this week is the films we gush about and why. So our first film is ghost released in 1990. Uh, After a young man is murdered, his spirit stays behind to warn his lover of impending danger with the help of a reluctant psychic. Ghost was written by Bruce Joel Rubin, and it was directed by Jerry Zucker. Or is it Zucker or Zucker? It is Zucker like Hooker. Zucker? Zucker like Hooker. All right, Jerry Zucker like Hooker. Uh, it stars Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg, and Tony Goldwyn. Uh, and Tony Goldwyn is funny because he's the guy who goes on to be the president in Scandal. So he's kind of like if you uh, if you watch Scandal, are you a big Scandal guy? I'm not a big Scandal guy, but um, you know, Caitlin, my girlfriend, is was very big into scandal and was watching it. Um, but it's funny to just see him as a baby faced young dude in this movie. And then he plays like, you know, the president, uh, right. 
later on, and he looks very, very different. Um, <laughs> 20 years of difference, obviously. Uh, so the second film is The Neon Demon, released in 2016. Um, when aspiring model Jessie moves to Los Angeles, her youth and vitality are devoured by a group of beauty-obsessed women who will take any means necessary to get what she has. Um, the Neon Demon is written by Nicholas Winding Refn, Mary Laws, and Polly Stena- Stenham. Stenham? Um, it was directed by Refn, and it stars Elle Fanning, Carl Glusman, Jenna Malone, Bella Heathcote, Abby Lee, Keanu Reeves, and Alessandro Nivola. And Desmond Harrington. Desmond Harrington. Which one? He's the photographer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Desmond Harrington. Yeah, he his parts are there, but he's kind of like... Yeah, he's not, not like there. a huge. Yeah, he's he's big in the plot, but his his character's small. I yeah, guess, if that yeah. makes sense. He's kind of um, like the first act like character. Yeah, but then yeah. he comes around at the end again. Yeah, just to kind of wrap up the movie essentially. Um, oh well, yeah. Then there's the young photographer, like he, I that's, think, um, that's Carl Glusman. Glusman. Oh, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Oh, you're Carl talking Glusman. about the the guy who wipes the gold glitter yeah. on her neck. Right. Okay. Yep. Got right. it. Yeah. The bald. He's the like bald my favorite. Dude. Well, he's my second favorite character of the movie. Who's your favorite? <laughs> Abby Lee's character. Oh yeah, she's a <laughs> stone cold biatch. Um, and then yeah, and then Alessandro Nivola is the um, fashion designer, the, right. the guy who runs the show. Yeah. Um, and everyone else kind of fits in. Jenna Malone, she's the the redhead. Elle Fanning, obviously. Bella Heathcote is the the uh, plastic surgery obsessed woman yeah. um, who ends up dying um, later. Is Abby? Is she the one who's the makeup artist? No, no, that's Abby, Jenna Malone. Yeah. Oh, that's Jenna Abby, Malone. Abby Lee's the one that ends up. Uh, she like licks the blood in the bathroom. Right. She, she, she's she's she the has one that powerful face. Yeah. Yeah. She's the yeah. one that makes makes out makes out of the film. Makes she, makes she leaves, eyeball. She she leaves yeah. the film like top dog. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's, she's literally like, uh, the last person you see in the film, <laughs> yeah. which she's is the crazy. Quiet one when they first meet Elle Fanning. Yeah, yeah, yeah and she's yeah. just like staring like coldly at. She's like, yeah. they're like, "What would your <laughs> lipstick be?" And she's like, "Fuck off." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, qu- question: Is it Elle Fanning or Ellie Fanning? It's, it's L. L. It yeah. is L. Oh, I've yeah. been saying that wrong my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Learning. And, uh, if you don't know this, this uh, you know, I thought it was kind of obvious. But if you don't know, it's Dakota Fanning's younger sister. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's why they she's kind of showed up on the scene and has had her success is because she's you know in yeah. a family of rich, well known people. So <laughs> yeah, um, that'll do it. That that helps. Do it. Yeah. Um, all right. So obviously, we want to kick this off with. Why do we like these movies? And if they do anything special kind of for us or whatever. Hey. Or to us. <laughs> Hello. Or to us. <laughs> uh, 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 Tiffany says hi back. No, she doesn't. She's not even paying attention. <laughs> hey. <laughs> they say um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, you know, if they do anything special for or in Jacob's case to us uh, <laughs> with the, the Swayze obsession he's got going on. Well, let's 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 or the hear, androgynous Demi Moore. Let's hear. <laughs> let's hear uh, Jacob talk about uh, Ghost for a little bit because we've been kind of, you know, we've already we've already talked a little bit. You guys about already Raffin. splurged. We've kind of started bit. with Reffin. Good point. Yeah. So let's. Yeah. I'm, I, I am genuinely curious. I, same here. Because yeah. watching this movie, Kaylin and I <laughs> couldn't figure out. At all, couldn't, why couldn't you like it. the movie? Right. So let's hear it. Like let's 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 hear why. No, that that's actually fascinating because when I first heard of this movie, it it was from my parents, and they were like, "That movie's so stupid." 
They're like, they were like, we just don't get it. Like, there's like this stupid pottery scene in it, and that makes no sense. And it's <laughs> it's like over the top. And then like years later, I watched it, and I was like, oh my god, this is like brilliant. Like everything about this is brilliant. Um, okay, wait, wait. So while she's in the room. Does Tiffany? Does she like the movie too? Is this a? Is this a? Uh, you guys watch it together? Uh, n- no, I've I watched it <laughs> once, and then the second Tiffany got home, I was like, "Tiff, we're watching this now," uh, <laughs> and we watched it again. Tiff, did you like Ghost? Were Wait, Britt, like, can, can she so come up so to the mic? Can she come up to the mic? Yeah, she likes it. She likes can it. She, can we have her like say it? They want it? you on the mic to say it. They don't believe me. She doesn't want to. Oh, okay. <laughs> she's not, she's not <laughs> But yeah, she Fair likes enough. it. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, I guess what I like about it is it's just like such. It, it's it's one of those like love stories that I I feel like really captures uh, love. And like one of the biggest problems that I have with with love stories is is how uh, uh, melodramatic they feel or um, like hollow, like and, and not true. And it felt like. Watching their, uh, you know, their chemistry on screen was just amazing. Uh, and the every time I watch it, I like it more. Um, I watched it this morning, and it was like, oh my god, this is so good. Um, <laughs> but I just, it's it's weird because it's like I'm a huge uh, um, Zucker fan, you know, and this is like his one film that he kind of like deviated from his like slapstick comedy stuff. And, and made this. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's just... Everything just about this movie just works. Like, all the casting is really good. Um, it's really small, you know? Like, there, there's only, like, four characters in this movie that are prominent. Um, you know, you have Vincent... Whatever how the fuck you say his last name. Vincent uh, Venisari... What is his last name? Vincent Schiavelli. Uh, Schiavelli. I don't even know how to say that. But he's like a famous like character actor, and um, his performance in this is like freaking awesome. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's just everything. It's just like the combination, and even even the uh, the pottery scene, like you know, is super iconic and famous. Uh, but it's it's just so like it's just movie sex, and it's so it's like erotic and sensual and you know what i mean and i think people laugh at it because it it is erotic and sensual you you know what i mean um and some people just have that reaction but just every and it's so surprising you know it's a blend of horror it's a blend of blend of thriller blend of romantic films uh and i think it's like i think too many people look at ghost and say oh that's just a chick flick and i think it's so much more than a chick flick. I, I think it transcends sex, gender, and, uh, you know, fucking, uh, what am I trying to say? Race? Like, I think, like, anyone can just watch this film and, and get it and get the, the love of it. So, yeah, that's why. That's the uh, short version of why I like it. <laughs> I mean, the thriller elements of the movie weren't bad. Like, it definitely created some interesting tension. The, the, be- um, the best scene in the movie because it's I like I liked it because it's kind of insidious is the the scene where Demi Moore's character is 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 definitely like broken she's she's having a hard time and Carl 
comes in and he you know he takes his shirt off he spills the coffee oh, on himself I know, dude he's and, so sleazy he's he's Jesus. trying to like you know she he knows she's vulnerable and the sleaziness and the, like like i said the insidiousness of it is what makes that feel that that scene so great because right. it's not what i was expecting from the other elements of the film right. so i was like oh wow i'm actually kind of digging this because the stakes got higher because yeah. he's just sitting there, Patrick Swayze is sitting there. He's helpless. He can't do shit. Because at that point, I don't mm-hmm. think he's learned how to do like the, the touching of the. No, he that's that's the scene where he accidentally finds out he can. Yeah, the right. Yeah. So it's like so it's like right before he he knows he's he's just watching them and he's kind of helpless, which is great because you actually you see him there, but you know he can't do shit, right. and he knows he can't do shit, and you're just watching this unfold. So in a way, you're watching it through Patrick Swayze's eyes, which yeah. I love. So that, for me, that's the best, the well, best scene of the of the whole. Yeah, film. and I, I think it's great that you call that out. And this is why I like this movie. I think it, it, no matter what, there's one scene that everyone can relate to. And I think you guys, as men, you 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 know want to be like the protector and stuff. Right. So when you see Patrick Swayze in a position like like when the robber is in, you know the uh, the home, you yeah. know the. Uh, puerto rican guys in the home or whatever uh it's like i feel like men get like this like oh shit like he can't he can't save her you know he right, can't, he right. can't like save the princess from the castle and I, I feel like that like aspect of it is like what like deep in our core as men i guess women feel that too um but i think it is more like men feel that a lot more Right. I mean, you Often. definitely feel that. Like, you feel the frustration of, like, wow, it would suck to not be able to do anything mm-hmm. at all, even right. though you're trying your hardest, right? Yeah. But Especially because she doesn't I mean, know that he's a sleazy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. Like, you know that. And that's part of the thing of you know it and she doesn't, and that's why there's the tension yeah. there. <laughs> the castle reference is great, actually, Jacob, because it's like, it's like you know, when he was alive – the moat is there. The water is deep. The crocodiles are there. the The drawbridge is closed. But then, when he's dead, you know that the moat dried the, up. The moat dried out, and the drawbridge yeah. goes down. And then, at that point, he's trying to pull the chain up to get the door closed, but it's open, and now everything is there. And he's kind of helpless. He can't. He and can't. And here comes the knight. Another in knight armor can come in. Yeah. 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 Except, yeah. So, except this knight. The shining armor is uh, is actually like charcoal. He's hollow. Over. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say he, he spray painted over his yeah, yeah. black fucking yeah. so it's, you know, dark it's kind, armor. It's, I, that's that was my favorite aspect, as well as the similarities with uh, Jacob's Ladder, because it's direct, written by the same guy. Yeah. So I saw yeah. there was a lot of similarities with Jacob's Ladder. Um, just the concept of like uh, the 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 main character having this like connection with like the afterlife right right. like i thought was interesting except i just didn't like how it was portrayed by the director in ghost whereas i really felt that jacob's ladder they kind of tapped into it perfectly because of the thriller aspect of it whereas this ghost it just seemed like too corny for me oh sure like like i think but i think that it was meant to be kind of corny you know, mm-hmm. well, because of like all you know, connect, combine that I, with like Whoopi Goldberg and you know, <laughs> right? Oh, it's it's weird because it's like this blend of like corny comedy, thriller, and like some horror. You know what I mean? So I it's mean, like right. this weird combo. 
It yeah. comes from also Patrick Swayze just being a fucking terrible actor. Also, <laughs> like the corniness of it, because those scenes where they're just cutting and showing his reaction shots and stuff is some of the worst acting I have seen in any of the movies that we've touched upon. Like, really, like it is just so. Like, what were you telling him to do? Like, just contort your face in some weird way and do it like twenty times, and we'll pick one that we kind of work. Like, that's hilarious. Like Swayze is just he's. I don't know. He's, he's a phys- cr- he's a physical actor. He's he's a if, dancer. If you don't you know? do a close up on him, you know that's great. Like if he's kicking a bunch of stuff, like yeah. in Roadhouse, then okay, that's cool. Like, but he does not have any acting chops when it comes to his face, like at all. The like, only thing that I think excused me from that was that he did have a good. Um, uh, he had a good. Uh, uh, God damn it! Uh, with, with Demi Moore, uh, he had a good chemistry. compatibility chemistry. chemistry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, like I could tell that the the chemistry was good, and because of that, I like subconsciously forgave his acting. But I was still aware of it. You know what I mean? That's the like, thing is, you're so aware of him. There was something about what how he looked though, like like that scene where they're looking at each other, and at the beginning of the movie, and they're in bed, and she's like, she's like what's wrong and he's like about to re- start reading that book and yeah he's like i don't know i've like sometimes i feel like uh i, I forget exactly what he said but he's and she just kind of looks at him and she's just like i love you and then that's the first time you hear the ditto and he goes like ditto or something and and, right. but, and then he and then it cuts to a wide shot and he wipes his eyes like he he had started crying and he wiped his eyes and i was like holy shit like patrick swayze wiping tears from his eyes in this scene where they're in bed together just like talking i thought was something that surprised me because he's such a masculine actor right and totally so when i when i saw this like closeness that he opened up and then like the director either caught that or that was intentional either way it like made that relationship to the viewer like stronger even though it was so simple of just him fucking wiping his eyes real fucking briefly in a wide shot i think the viewer subconsciously right. picks picks that up but like you said like like he said it's like you know you, you cut to these scenes where he's not doing anything and he's just like looking at her and you're just like like where's that magic that yeah you know like it it it's lost on patrick swayze whereas if you had somebody else there i think those reaction shots could have been way better. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Dude. Yeah. His, his reactions were just awful. I, awful I'm not. I'm not gonna disagree with with you, Keith. Because uh, of all the things in this movie that do bother me, that that is one of them. Especially when uh, Swayze dies, and he's like first looking at his go- exactly like his, his body, and oh. it's like that weird yeah. close up, and he's like weirdly cross eyed, and it's just like. I mean, it's for me. It's it is fine. You know what I mean. But it's not like jaw dropping performance. You know, it's just exactly. like it's just like yeah, this is fine. But like you know, uh, what Swayze brings to with all the Demi Moore stuff and all the physical aspects of the role, which uh, is another thing I like is is the fact that this is a go- a movie about a ghost and it's a very physical performance. Like what movie about a ghost is physical? You know what I mean? Uh, so that aspect, I, I really, uh, I think is nice. And I wish he brings a lot to that. I think he does. I also wish that they would have been more concrete with the rules that they wanted to set up 
with the quote-unquote ghost because like i mean byron and i were kind of talking about this beforehand it was like he can touch things but he can't touch other things for some reason he just can't touch her but he can touch he could kill two people and and do that but he can't touch her we can't have that it's like you set up all what, these rules for mean? touching he, he can okay. touch her why doesn't he touch her then why doesn't he touch her as a ghost if he knows he can touch? They have to use whoop. They have to do that cheesy scene where he goes into Whoopi Goldberg, and which right. would have been she so needs to touch good him too. to see. Like it's it's one sided if he's just touching her. Like I think, but doesn't matter. It's still it the fact that he can. Shared. She doesn't think that he's there, and the way they have him, have him prove to her that he's there is with a penny scene. He can touch the penny. He can touch. All these things, fucking push her. And it wasn't fucking the fucking Indian her. head penny that, from the beginning. God damn it, that bothered me. <laughs> yeah, it's like if I it's gonna be a penny, it gotta be, be the Indian penny. head penny. Jesus. Move her hair, Brush, like pull. You know, put your run your hand through her hair, touch her. Right, he, pick he up fucking, a fucking pen pokes, and fucking write on the wall. Right, he fucking pokes. What's his name? Fucking the dude in the office or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can't right. fucking poke her. Yeah. What is this? What are <laughs> the rules with, of this uh, movie? Poke her with something other than the finger. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's uh, let's let, let, here. Let me let me share something. I think I think that the reason he's not just poking her to death is is how that would come off. You know, like when you, you know, if I just go up to Tiffany and poke her, you know, that is a different um <laughs> like feeling for getting someone's attention okay right. so rub your hand across her face run it down her body like run right. it up her leg but like do the, something sensual the surprise of just like that random touch i think is what the issue is but like doing something as gentle as slowly guiding a penny up the uh door is a, a is a great way to like ease the person into like the reality that there could, that they're real but if he just like goes up and there could have been more like i thought he was gonna like her. i honestly thought he was gonna like somehow dip his hand into the clay and like write something in the clay or like yeah or, they like, could have reused or, like, stuff like put, that yeah like his finger in the clay and like wipe it on her face or i like or touch her hand with yeah. it slowly you have whoopi goldberg there saying all he had to be like okay he he's saying he's gonna touch you now and then he reaches out and just gently caresses her face. You know what's funny is, but that's come so on, dude. That's so boring. Like, but that's, that's so made for so such a stupid plot point. Like, <laughs> it, it was so it was expected. A, no, no. But that it was literally, literally like, the touching is so like, like not creative. Like that's not a. It creative doesn't matter if do it. it's not creative yes, because they set the rules up for creative. that thing, though. They set the rules yeah. up for that to happen. Right, but and the then fact they that were he like, but no, we're not going to do that. I like, th- I th- I honestly thought that this movie was famous for a sex scene. So when I was watching, I was expecting a scene where like she's like having sex with the ghost. Like that's what I was thinking the entire movie, and that never happens. I, yeah the I, uh, the sex scene they cut out actually. So they they shot a sex scene uh, with like uh, the the they like rip a a sheet off of one of her sculptures that that she made, and they like have sex underneath it but they took it out because they thought that the clay scene uh the the pottery scene was erotic enough and the just them dancing and staring each other in the eyes like that was the, that was better than seeing them bang they also wanted to retain the pg-13 rating i'm sure too was it pg-13 uh, that, it was r yeah, it's pg-13 it's pg-13 that, that yeah. was not the reason oh, wow. why they cut it out 
Uh, I, I'm I not think, saying it's the reason, but I'm sure part of it is like, okay, PG-13 is going to create a op- more open audience. Right. I don't I don't think they had a nude sex scene for this because they, they no, threw the blanket. So, so I think either way it would be PG-13. They cut it out for artistic reasons, you know, because they, they thought they got there already. <laughs> and Swayze actually in a behind-the-scenes interview, he was like, yeah, man, that pottery scene, it... It got me going. You know, he's like, it was, <laughs> it was super erotic. <laughs> he's and he's like, like I got, married I got since like 70s too. <laughs> uh, the, my, only, okay, my thing is, is this. If you're going to set up rules in your world and have specific moments where these rules are established, don't fucking break your own rule because you made the rule. What? So what are you referring to? Instead of having it, like, they've proved that he can touch. They go through this whole, essentially, montage where the, he learns how to touch things and focus his energy. And then he never touches her except for through Whoopi Goldberg. And I'm like, you set up the fact that he can touch people. He even kills two people. He kills two people. Let's get that. Let's just say that right out here. He kills two people. And then he doesn't touch her at all. Well... And then they have a cheesy green screen scene at the end where he's like, oh, he finally gets to touch her and then he kisses her and it, they don't really talk and they say their cheesy like, I love you, ditto, bullshit that you know is coming because it's a romantic comedy. And then he goes to heaven and you're like, fuck you, dude. Just If he just touched her, it would have solved so many problems in this in the shitty plot of this movie. Like, like just... Oh, I, I man, don't set up rules in your movie and then not apply your rules. Like, you, that's not how this works. Right. I, I, here's – I think that's fine that you think that, but uh, I, th- <laughs> no, I, I think the, <laughs> I, do. I think it's totally fine. And, like, this movie is not for everyone. Like, my, my parents, like, just didn't understand this movie. And I, I think a lot of it just comes from the emotion of uh, – you know, why why you would do the penny thing instead of – a jabbing motion, you know, like here's here's no normal example. person would do that. That's Hang such on, a movie me, thing. Just hey, well, yeah, because it's a fucking movie. But <laughs> like, still, like that's a non. That's a non argument. There's things where it's that's like a there are those things where you're like okay, they only did this because it's a movie and it doesn't make any other sense otherwise. And that I get that to an extent, but that also does kind of bother me because I do like it when things try to be more real. This is not that kind of movie, though. That's You're not, right. It's a it's dumbass. Not, I think that's drama why you fantasy don't, romance. <laughs> I think that's why you struggle with it because you don't get it. Um, but uh, I, uh, the I just wanted to sh- share one thing. I wanted to share one thing. Um, Demi Moore's character was originally slated to be a sculptor. Um, so like she had like a hammer and chisel and she was like hammering away. And uh, Ruben, the writer, he wanted her to be like this kind of a little bit more masculine and um stuff androgynous uh just just maybe like a very powerful woman you know um, okay like uh maybe more so than more powerful than swayze um which well, is interesting because it's swayze well but, and that uh, and that's shown like at the beginning of the movie when like the two dudes are topless and she's there and they both have their sledgehammers yeah. and they're knocking that door like they, they make that obvious from the get-go that she's like one of the boys in a sense she's one of the boys yeah. yeah but uh they switched her to being a pottery person because they thought this is both strong and sensual and relates back to the content. So she, she could still be a, you know, a sculptor who's banging on shit, 
but that doesn't relate back to the core of the movie. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is because poking someone it, to me is that sculptor thing, but the lifting of the penny and the guiding of the penny is more of the pottery thing. But the you're focusing on poking. There is millions of different things he could do that is not that is more sensual than he could have put on the green underwear with her name on it and then danced around and he, she's just like looking at the the green underwear like floating in air like what the hell like, there's so he could have kissed her he could have kissed her he could have done a focus his energy yeah. and done you know, like a kiss you know like, what he should have done is he should have got one of those cardboard cutouts of his own face and just wore it so he there was just you like go. a floating head exactly. walking around it just it, it made for this weirdly con- to me contrived scene with a penny when it could have just it for the multiple times throughout the movie when he could have just brushed her cheek blown into her ear kissed her face rubbed up against her i don't know dude grab her ass i don't know do something <laughs> i don't think but yeah like, I mean, the penny thing was just so. To me, it was just like, oh my god, like, <laughs> this is what you decide to do after this whole time you've had thinking about all this. You're fucking just like, I'm gonna lift a penny up the wall and float it into her hand, I, and I, that is what's gonna get I her to be like. Thought oh that my they should have done something with the clay. That's Which, that would have been better than a penny. That's honestly. what I thought was gonna happen. It didn't happen, and I was like, really? Like, then what's the whole thing with the clay? Like, they should have the pulled the clay back around and yeah. done a. I would have been much more satisfied had they pulled like done a full circle with the clay what are the and my satisfaction would have only ticked it up like a point one of That's a star I but think the one thing know. i will give you guys and i thought of this was that i thought that the actual coin that they found should have been the penny that was like lifted up i th- i feel like that would have been a better right right thing but i mean i think it's fine i think it's weird that you got, of all the things in this movie that's the uh, the penny scene is what <laughs> really grinds your guys' No, gears. it also grinds my gears, too. Like, okay, <laughs> let's go to the scene where he I dies. Regret, like, I regret I regret doing this movie. We're just going <laughs> to keep complaining. The scene where he dies. Ugh. Suddenly she's like, oh, I can't fight this guy, but I'll fight back against Carl. Yeah. Like, I'll help Whoopi Goldberg, but I won't help my yeah, she husband. She when he... Like she's standing there, like just stop it, help, just stop help, it, someone help, stop yeah, it. She's guys. not doing anything. I'm like, I thought you were one of the the dudes. Like, right. uh, but he had a gun, you know. And Carl, what his face had a gun too. But she was like, whatever, I'll just jump on his back and and fucking get knocked into a garbage can and get knocked out because that's how that works too, right? Like physically speaking, you know. My, my biggest thing, honestly, <laughs> I feel like I, you guys are looking way too much in. To the movie, like if you look at any mo- movie under a tight microscope, you're gonna find issues like this. Right, right. You know what I mean. I, I, so no, I feel I, like it's I, just like I, I you agree. didn't like it, so I you're think finding I, things. No, no I, I agree can. with Keith, but but those things didn't bother me as much as like 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 just what I had already mentioned. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, like yeah, I, no. like I, because I, I love melodrama. I love like like so I can I can forgive like the acting and all that. The only thing that I that one of the biggest things for me about this movie that I just was like I couldn't get over was that Whoopi Goldberg won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for this role. Right. Like, yeah, she's <laughs> she's fine in it. Like it's not like it's not like she did a bad job. It's just like it's just the character isn't like written super well and it just like it wasn't like this crazy performance where like when you look at Oscars, like she's gonna be like it's gonna be one of the one of the biggest like like why wins ever in Oscar history? Like I, 
I don't have anything against Whoopi Goldberg, but it's just I don't understand. It was like because her character was like a, a, a crowd favorite, and that's why she got the Oscar. Like that's what it seemed like to me because she goes through an arc, which the arc is, oh, I rip people off and I don't believe, and then I get like, like aggravated by this guy that's in my head, and then. I become a better person because I help a girl out. Right. And then now I love both of these characters or both, both Patrick Swayze that's in my head. And and we went through a journey together or whatever. Like, and, and that's why she got the Oscar, <laughs> which is like, that's more of the writer. And he the ended up getting got, an Oscar too. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. I, I was like, well, I, I don't know. I think, I think that's fine. I mean, um, uh, but I, I think a lot of, weepies uh because this is definitely a weepy you know uh don't have that kind of stuff so right. when you when you have a weepy that has a comedic performance from you know a side character uh that that and she's definitely like the comic relief character yeah, yeah. uh in in a weepy in a prominent role uh that is a unique thing and i cannot i don't know what the oscars were that year but uh i think i i mean at least ruben deserves something for this unique thing that has now been copied over and over i mean well, ghost yeah. is like the first twilight <laughs> that's you what i was gonna mean? bring like, up like twilight what came out of this movie like yeah ghost. i was gonna i was gonna bring that up i was gonna bring up like i think maybe the reason why it bothered me was i'm used to a lot of the tropes that this film started yeah. So I wasn't seeing it through the eyes of like first time, like, oh my God, this character is amazing and she did such a great job because I've seen that character now, you know, so many times, right. even though those were made after this movie. But it's still, I just, I don't know. <clears throat> so let me take to say with the Oscars real quick of that year, because they're kind of interesting. So best picture was Dances with Wolves. Mm. Um, best director was Costner with Dances with Wolves. Best actor Jeremy Irons. Best actress was Kathy Bates in Misery. Uh, she was, deserves that one. She, yeah, she did. Uh, best supporting actor. So actress was Whoopi Goldberg with Ghost. Actor was Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Oh fuck yeah! Um, oh, best wow. screenplay written directly for the screen was Ghost. Which I I will it I, I you know that's there's undeniable that it was a very original idea. Yeah, like it, yeah. The idea was very interesting. And the and execution they, was not so interesting. Yeah, as was Jacob's ladder. Like I, I yeah. really like him. I like, I like this this idea that he has, where he's putting these like characters that people can relate to, whether it's a, a Vietnam vet and someone that's just kind of having a down hard time, and his relationship is kind of a little off, and and then this character with Patrick Swayze, and then he's tying it in with like this. It's not supernatural, but it's like this faith almost based afterlife thing without yeah. being super preachy. Yeah. Because I liked it and I'm not fucking religious at all. And I, I like I like the idea of it. It, um, it. It's kind of religious in how like Darren Aronofsky's work is. Right. And that's religious. why I like Darren Aronofsky, because I like mm -hmm. how he touches in these things that that can really affect people. I just find it interesting. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so, I, yeah, I I. That that's one of my biggest things about this film that I did I did really enjoy. Right. Um, as as was that insidious scene. <laughs> I, I know Zucker he he was really like script forward with this movie. 
you know, and he came out and he's saying, I want to, I want to make sure that we're capturing, uh, Ruben's, uh, movie as close to the script as possible. Um, which I, I, I can always appreciate because that's a style that doesn't get, um, praised ever (laughs) you know like people praise nicholas winding refn for drive for throwing out 80 percent of the dialogue in the movie and still like having a movie work you know what i mean uh so i just like it when yeah people like just do the script well i I think it's interesting because like that's a good that's a really good point because this film visually isn't interesting at all it's 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 the sets and everything just aren't very interesting it's based on like you said it's based on the script and the characters whereas you look at the neon demon it's the opposite one can say that the script is like almost completely there there is hardly a a script right right like like visually right but visually it's a it's like whoa you know so that's kind of an interesting comparison between these two films but let's go let's continue about the oscars here yeah oh the that's all i wanted to say well so who won the actress that or so goldberg won but who who was she up against Oh, for best supporting uh, actors. Let me pull that up again because I closed that shit. I closed that screen. Hold on a second. Um, what I did want to say though, real quick, while I'm doing this, is that yes, if you do put any film under a microscope, obviously there's going to be a lot of issues. What I, what bothers me is when they blatantly decide, all right, well, like. <sighs> We're just going to throw out logic yeah. for the sake of, of this. Like, I'll, you don't need to throw out certain points of logic to make a good movie. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll be devil's advocate, though, for, the, for Ghost. Just because I think they're... I think they were so concentrated on, like, the characters and that emotional side of it that those other ideas of, like, rule-breaking their own, <laughs> their own world didn't matter <laughs> but why under why under your own stuff though hang on I, I, I still no, don't, i know i know i still don't understand the rule that was broken like like you guys are saying they he could have just touched her that's not breaking a rule but fine it's yeah, not that could have made the rule the movie is not shorter. being applied like they said that he can do these things but for some stupid reason for no logical reason besides movie plotting did he decide to like did not touch her like right, everyone so your who worked on that movie was like, "Why is he not? Why is he not doing this?" And the okay, director so. and writer were like, "But we gotta have this scene, man. We gotta have this special <laughs> moment, man." So it's like, you're... shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> like, okay. just fucking not you. It's not you. I'm not saying you shut no, the fuck up. No, I know up. you're I'm not saying, saying it to like, me. I just, I don't, I can't. It's I can't have for, a good the conversation. The moment became contrived. You're so angry they at couldn't, the movie. Beca- they couldn't apply the own rule like they set up this world and the rules and then chose not to apply their own rules for some contrived bullshit scene basically that's that's I, what bothers me okay no way jacob you I, were, I you were gonna say no jacob you were gonna say something well i, I can't because it's <laughs> there's no way to have a conversation about it you know because no, it's, no, just, cause it's no, not just, about the plot you know it's not about and I, I understand your complaint is that um, if it, it feels a little contrived, you know, hey, he could have just touched her movie over, you know, uh, he could have just written instructions on a wall. Uh, he does. The movie wouldn't just be over, stuff. though. They could have gone different directions. It just made for a scene that was undercut because they could have done other things. And yet they chose a, a way that didn't make any sense. I mean, I think it, I guess it kind of sense. boils down to for I think both of us, we were taken out of the movie because what they what the filmmakers decided as what was maybe more important 
wasn't important to us and it took us out because their yeah. choices of of not completely being true to the rules that they've already created within the film we were expecting them to uphold and they didn't and it undercut the emotional scenes that they exactly. thought were more important exactly so they okay. ended up kind of stabbing themselves in the back in the sense that no i understand what for us their emotional the emotional scenes would have been more emotional if they had just followed the rules that they had already made but they were so focused on being emotional that they didn't care about those rules so they kind of it's like what's the point of setting up any rules for the movie if you're not going to apply those rules and let's be fair i'll be fair with this this for people who this movie was uh geared towards yeah don't give a shit and right, right. Jacob, this is not you. You're different because you have a sense of filmmaking beyond just watching a movie. But the people who are this movie, but they, the audience they wanted, don't give a shit. They care about Swayze. They care about Demi Moore. They care about the romance. And they care about them finally having their moment right at the end, right before he goes to heaven or wherever the hell he right. goes, right? Like, that's what they want. That's what people care about, that emotion. That, that is so, what most, you know, most people he, Okay, want. right. Sure, whatever. <laughs> so I'm being nitpicky. Like, I get that. But it's like... I'm being nitpicky because I come from the side of like, okay, you're, you went through all this trouble to do these things. And the scene where he, the, the sequence where he learns how to do stuff with that dude, that dude is my favorite character in the movie. And that scene is cool. Like, cause that guy was so oh, fucking off Vincent, the wall. Vincent, uh, uh, the, the subway guy. The subway yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. The subway guy who's so off the wall. And, you know, at the very end of that, when he's like, who are you? Get away from me. Blah, 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 yeah, and then yeah. he, then you find out that he actually did kill himself. Cause he jumps in front of the yeah. train or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, he's like, like a famous character actor. Totally. Yeah, super yeah, famous yeah. character actor. And he's, yeah. that was good, but they spent that much time learning how to touch things. And then the first thing he doesn't do is like, if it was me, the first thing I would do is like, I learned how to touch things. I'm going to touch you. I don't care how you do it, how you touch her. <laughs> that would be like the first thing any logical person would do because the whole point is that he can't touch, he can't physically interact. With so the, the first yeah. thing they avoid right. is having him physically interact with her. And it's like, I, I understand. Oh my God, dude. I like, understand like, the on. complaint. I, I, I get it. The movie did a bad job uh, keeping you guys invested. Yeah. Um, I'm just not a romance but person like, also. I like, think I, if you're looking at it from my standpoint... The penny scene is like a beautiful, beautiful scene, and it's it's worth. Like I, I was not worried about him touching her because I was enjoying the the scene to scene moments. You know? Right? No, like, and I completely, uh, completely understand like that too because I I didn't hate on this movie. I mean, like I I would give this movie like a six point five out of, or seven out of ten. Damn! Because because <laughs> because I. Because like Jacob, this is this is one of the things that Jacob and I, I a lot of the time agree with, in the sense that I can forgive films big big parts of the films because I like certain aspects of it. Yeah, I, I like. I'm as I grow older, I'm liking these these films that that even if they have a kernel of like an interesting idea to me, I'll forgive other aspects of them because I I'm like ah oh, fuck because it gives it it makes me it. it because I get ideas that germinate from these films. You know what I mean? Sure. Even if the... So, like, I like on an enjoyable moment-to-moment basis, this film didn't bother me. But when I think of it even in a broad term, I, I, it's not one of my 
favorite films. Like, will I ever watch this again? Probably not. I will 100% you know, watch like, this again. Like, I'm sorry. But, but, <laughs> I'm watching it. So I'm trying. More times, I, I'm man. glad yeah. I did give it its chance. I'm, I I'm walked glad you guys in did. biased, yeah. obviously, yeah. but Look, I mean, I like I like this better than like Paycheck. You know what I mean? Like I like like you know like I enjoyed it more. I would rather watch this than maybe quite a few of the films that we've done on the podcast <laughs> that I didn't like. You know, like um, so I'm not Re- hating Re- on this Madness. movie. Yeah, like uh, yeah, definitely more, better than Reefer Madness. But I uh, I I'm not like hating on the movie, but I definitely have big things that I'm just like. As a filmmaker, I would have done different. I guess I want right. to just—it's not—it's uh, not a perfect right. film. It's not perfect. And what movies me, are perfect, though? Really? What movies are perfect for me? It's—it's—it's it's, it's the how it emotionally resonates with me is why right. I like it so much. Right. You know, so the if this has even a bigger plot hole in it, I still like this movie a lot, and it's still a five out of five for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Can we do because what it the, does so right? The is filmmakers what I like. succeeded in what they, I think, meant out meant to do like yeah. in 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 for the general audience it succeeded and that's why it's a classic it didn't succeed for me and keith for i think the same reason because sure. it didn't yeah, I've, you guys look at movies you want something yeah. different out of movies right yeah i want some violence i want some killing i want some <laughs> some bathing has, in blood this has, <laughs> this, this has all of that actually there's a bloodbath there's violence there's killing. I need like ghosts. I need like graphic <laughs> violence though. I need like you know, I need like blood and guts. Um, <laughs> right. just, just to answer Byron's question though, for best supporting actresses of that year, in case anyone listening was also curious, um, so Whoopi Goldberg obviously won. Then you have Annette Bening for The Grifters, uh, Lorraine Bracco for Goodfellas, Diane Ladd for Wild at Heart, which is cool. Oh my god, um, she should have won. Mary McDonald for Dances with Wolves. <laughs> she should have won. Diane Ladd should have totally won that scene where she's like, she's got lipstick and she puts it all over her face. Ah, oh, that alone should. The she fact that won that awesome. movie is in there at all though is yeah. what's really surprising. Well, it won the Palm Door at the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, did it? Wild at Heart, yeah. No, that's shit. David Lynch's uh, only Palm Door win. Yeah. Oh, that, that was David the one Lynch with film? Nick Cage too. Yeah, dude, that movie's what? That the movie, fuck? that Lost Highway and like I haven't Blue seen Velvet this one. Are like oh, amazing. did win at the nineties? Okay, yeah, and I've it, seen Lost Highway and I've seen I've seen everything. I've seen most of his stuff besides that was one dude, of my Wild Heart Man. Seen. Willem Dafoe should have won an Oscar for his performance one. too yeah. in that movie. Because it's pretty, it's pretty brutal, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah it's good. <clears throat> um, anyway, so I do, I do want to see that one. But yeah, that that was in the category for best supporting actress. Um, mm-hmm that year <clears throat> and then obviously scripts um for script uh there was alice by woody allen so ghost one obviously alice by woody allen avalon by barry levinson green card peter weir and metropolitan by Whit stillman huh um, metropolitan is pretty good i haven't seen any of those i'm not a woody alley woody allen person like I'm, i've just never been interested in seeing his stuff like at all yeah i'm curious what you um, think it's, about it's pretty specific his his stuff I get the feeling that I'm just not going to like it. But I also haven't given it its fair chance. Like, I haven't seen any Woody Allen film at oh, all. Oh, yeah. Some of them are pretty uh, good. So Yeah. Well, hit that. what was his uh, his famous one or whatever? Uh, Annie Hall. Annie Hall. Annie Hall, yeah. yeah. Annie yeah. Hall's pretty good. Really cool, uh, really cool cinematography. Yeah, cinematography, man. Same guy who did uh, The Godfather, so. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Godfather was very yeah. controversial with the cinematography, too. It yeah. was. But he just, um, like, plants the camera in Annie Hall. And, like, you he just puts it on sticks it's really weird and the characters just kind of walk around 
and you can hear them, you, but you don't see them all the time, but you hear them the entire time. So they have like little lav mics on or whatever. It's actually oh, really, okay. It's kind of weird. Um, yeah, I, I imagine I would like his style of filmmaking, like the visual style of him, because he does like that indie sort of. Yeah. Because that's like an indie thing to do, right? Where you plant the camera and like let yeah. characters meander around like that is like hollywood is like nah dude if brad pitt's in there we gotta get brad pitt in right right. i mean that that's actually something that woody allen did not want to do and pushed against in like every single scene (laughs) uh and but the cinematographer was like no this is gonna be better and woody allen was like okay uh woody woody allen uh his style is more like they shoot some scenes they edit it together they do rewrites they shoot some more it's kind of it's it's more it's more similar to like how like Pixar works with, or just an animated film with how they're like create the scene, go back, re-edit everything, you know, go yeah. rewrite some scenes. That's how Woody Allen wor- works. And like over the process of him making a movie is more like uh, like he'll cut characters out, like he'll yeah. fire his lead character and just have a new lead because he found something else was more interesting. Yeah, like and he's he's very talky, right? Like his movies are very dialogue driven. Yeah. Very dialogue driven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yet so. his I mean his movies are differ in variety though. Like he yeah. does, you know, he does like thriller stuff. He does comedy stuff. He does romance stuff. He does drama stuff. But, but and yet, some they're, really like, really bad stuff too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really yeah. yeah. But they, but they're all Woody Allen ish. You yeah. know, which yeah. is kind of cool. they're like pseudo intellectually. Yeah, you know? or making fun of pseudo intellectuals is like a common thing that he does <laughs> you know the yeah. irony there anyway so speaking of cinematography <laughs> let's shift over to neon demon um because cinematography for this movie is really like a step up from things i've seen uh in recent filmmaking but just kind of in filmmaking in general there's something about the cinematography that's just really eye-catching by uh, natasha brayer yes yeah so it's important to point it's important to point out just how female driven this movie is i think even though it yeah. comes off like a lot of people have shunned it for being sort of masoch uh not masochist uh, uh misogynist yeah um yeah. but it actually he wrote with two women female cinematographer female actresses female uh, costume design. almost all the producers are female yeah. as well um, and he, it's very much watching it this time around. I was like, wow, even though he's a man directing this, like this movie is from the female perspective. Yeah. He, like, throughout the press, <clears throat> um, release of this film, um, and marketing and stuff, he, uh, he said that his 16 year old girl self made this movie. Okay. Like, I can see like that. that's, yeah. that's, he's like, every man has a 16 year old girl in him. And, mine 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 made this film it's a really weird sentence to say yeah but he's but he's he's a provocateur just like Lars von Trier and a lot of Danish filmmakers is they that's part of their culture is they like to provoke things and um he that's that's one of the things that generated a lot of press when he after he said that and he just he loved it so he kept going he kept rolling with it um I mean that totally like encapsulates this movie is like it's it's a man a man's idea of like these supermodels who like want that youth. You know what I mean? Right. And I right. think that's a, it's like it's sort of like a spaghetti western of, of men to women. You know, it's like right. this like weird like I I don't want to say misunderstanding, but it's just like a very specific like um like this is what this 
person or or this movie thinks of certain types of women. Yeah, he wanted you to know capture. What I mean? Yeah, he wanted to capture like the ethos and the like the the mysticism of like womanhood, beauty. Uh, you know, totally. like and so and that's but knowing that he's a man, so that's why he brought in. Uh, these women to help him get like those truer aspects out like you know what i mean like he yeah i don't think he wanted it to come off as like i'm a man and this is how i'm going to interpret it he wanted parts of it to really be true right Um, i mean it made me think about what lisa was saying on the last episode how like horror is always from a male perspective and like i feel like he did as much as he could to make to erase the male perspective and say like these are fears that a woman would have like their fear is like you get the vibe that you should fear the man and the man is controlling things right in this film a lot of Mm -hmm. the issues of the plot are come from the fact that men are saying you're not good enough yeah but the fear comes from the women too, like how women will just like voraciously destroy you because there's the competition for this specific world, you know? And like the fears just seem like come from a female perspective. Yeah. None of the women are sexualized in the film at all. Um, I mean, the closest one would come would be the dead woman. Um, Yeah. But, but the women aren't filmed in this way. where they're like sexualized um if anything they're filmed in a sense where the viewer is uh you're kind of grossed out by it yeah grossed out but yet they can also appreciate the beauty that is there um just as like another woman can see another woman's beauty you know what i mean right um and and you can either take that as a negative or a positive thing and that's what's kind of cool is that nicholas winning refin makes the viewer kind of ambivalent to that yeah he just like puts it out there and and right you can either be like i don't like this world you know or or you can be like i like uh what this has to say about this world right because i feel like it's it's what my favorite part about this movie is that they don't go after the men you know and i feel like that's that is like something that kind of holds true you know uh is like these women like fighting each other when really the really they should be fighting the you know the f- photographers and stuff you know what i mean yeah uh, it's it's interesting yeah like cuz like keanu reeves i mean he, he his his character nothing happens to his character if the world that this movie takes place in exists he's still he's still pimping little girls out in his hotel or motel yeah. you know what i mean like he yeah. he nothing happens to him um and I, and that and that's another thing that i liked about this movie is that where you think it might be going it doesn't tie up any of it yeah you know and and it just like it just like gives you like this look into this world that um is really fucked up and that a lot of people want to think doesn't exist or people (laughs) are actively fighting against um and he's like shedding some light on this like really strange uh you know world that uh you know the the model the model world you know and especially <laughs> the the pimping of the the young women of the hard Some candy real the quote, hard candy yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like the fact that the main character is just like this pretty innocent like 
woman who's just like, I guess, you know, I guess I'll do this. And like, she dies at the end. It's like, well, yeah, you so fucked. You, you think know? she's innocent. You think she's innocent. But yeah, she's you not. think she's innocent. Yeah. 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 Like, you don't know she's enough play, about she's her. She's playing to even, the game. Yeah. 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 Like I mean, did you, I mean you were even left with wondering like, did you just like off your parents and leave where you left? Yeah, like, I mean I think know, that's like, like the twist is yeah. like by the time that runway show happens and afterwards they're like, oh fuck, man, she's not who we thought she was. No, she's not. <laughs> yeah. She's a stone cold bitch. Yeah, that's she was that's just playing weird because I saw that more as a transformation instead of um, like a femme fatale thing. You know, like like she's been innocent, like, like she's faking innocence. I saw that as she was like this like out of towner who comes in and she just gets like she has that one moment on the on the runway or whatever and just completely she's like changed after that which that is what that scene is and i've seen this movie a bunch of times already and like every time i watch it i get a different idea of her like the first time you're kind of like yeah she is just kind of rolled into town she's naive about herself but that scene you know sets her on a course like you had this demon inside you and now yeah. it's awakened and that's um, the, yeah that scene is the neon demon it is the neon demon she, and that, then yeah right but right. i've also the second time i watched it i was kind of like damn dude like this chick actually is dark and i think she's hiding stuff and then the the runway scene was like that's when she that's when she just lets it loose it, yeah. but then she right. knew it was there yeah. the whole time you yeah. know like and you can't tell from her facial expressions like is she surprised by it yeah. is she is, what is she surprised by if she is you know like there's no dialogue to dr- drive you through that it's all what you get from essentially a Kuleshov effect i mean it's essentially just the cut back and forth of her face yeah. um yeah you know, but and then you watch. I watch yeah. the movie again, and I'm like, okay, she is kind of innocent, but you can still get this undertone of like, right. there's something there. You know, it's like, like she's yeah. like unleashed, yeah, like, by the neon demon. Yeah, it's like yeah. The, the neon like represents you know like the fashion and and the world and all that, right? That's like that can like taint someone or whatever, and it's like literally penetrating her face or body as yeah. it's like hitting her, and she's embracing it, and she's like, I'm gonna, ma- I'm gonna, I'm gonna mask myself in all this glory that this neon light or this neon as like personified, you know, this demon yeah. is gonna, and I'm just gonna run with it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it my own, and it's such a scene that if you're not in the movie, you're not gonna get that, you know. Which I love. <laughs> yeah, I love scene, that. A lot of the scenes in this movie can't be interpreted without watching the rest of the movie. Right. Like, it's yeah. so hard to get. And especially those ones that are so... Like, the the party scene when they do have the uh, bondage, the chicken, like, yeah. tied up who's Which hanging. Which was just a crew member. Oh, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, that scene is all just face. And it's not even just face. It's, like, flashing. Yeah. You know, it's strobe. So, you're like, yeah. you're, you're so confused by them looking at each other yeah. and, like, how they're reading each other and how you're trying to read them. And you're just, like, you got this dope-ass soundtrack playing. Yeah. So, you're kind of just, like, vibing. But you're also kind of like, what the fuck is going on? You know? Yeah, like, like, that whole scene is so interesting. I mean, it starts off with that dolly shot of them entering the club as, the like, the heavy metal techno music comes through. And all the women... And men are all talking to each other, but they're all like mannequins. There's no exactly one's, what I thought. No when one's, I first no saw one's that. moving. No one's moving. Yeah. Besides yeah. a few people that moving, you can tell yes. are mechanically moving their arms to like sip their. But class. they're like mannequins. But everybody else is just like a silhouette mannequin as they're going mm-hmm. through. Then it cuts to them in the bathroom. They have this like interesting, like spiteful testing waters, um, co- uh, complimenting each other, yeah. all combined, and the in the 
the the the scene the lighting is like this blue turquoise purple and then it ends on this more red tent all within a scene you yeah. don't even know that the fucking color changes um unless you rewind it um and then and then all of a sudden you see this like uh bondage kabuki or whatever scene and they're looking at each other and like they're just looking at her like she's meat and she's like oh my god i'm loving this and you know even jenna malone is kind of like yeah ha, ha, ha. It just becomes more and more abstract, you know. Right. Love that. Whereas, right. like, it's just like you're wa- you're seeing like a, a painting already with all these silhouettes, and then and then you're like into these abstract colors, and then all of a sudden he's stripping all that away, and you're just left with faces. And then you cut to her, like, like plain Jane, plain day, with her going to that modeling agency. Right. You know, like. Right. Very, very stark contrast. Dude, when I saw that scene, that first, that party scene, that specifically that strobe scene yeah. in the theaters the first time with that soundtrack, I was just like, this is the greatest scene ever. <laughs> this is the greatest <laughs> song, the greatest soundtrack yeah. for a movie ever. And this is like the greatest scene. Yeah. And it's just, I watch every time I watch it, I have to crank that, that part. Yeah, I same. just have to listen to that same. song. Like, His nephew did the song there. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, Julian. Julian Winding, yeah. Yeah. He did, and that song is so the demon dance is what it's called. Yeah, yeah. dude, so good. Anyway, um, yeah, really cool uh, lighting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I I I'm with you guys. I think the the color is really cool, and I like. I honestly, in in this movie, I really like how they use the blues and reds to uh, signify a change uh, yep. in in L. Uh, Fanning's character, yeah, uh, because that happens a lot. Like when she's on the runway, she, it starts off blue, yep, and then it turns into that red during her transformation. And uh, I just I like that mix, like red and blue with the purple is such um, such great colors, and it, it's like elegant, but it, it's kind of fantastical too at yeah. the same time, like that purple, yeah. Uh, but then the red is like, you know, like the blue is like so innocent, and the and the and the red is so evil, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just looking at the even the DVD cover, I'm looking at it, and it's just like that blue triangle with right. like the and Al Fanning's like in the middle, completely red, and then um, the you know you have the two other characters, um, uh, Jenna Malone and Abby uh, Lee and Bella Heathcote. Yeah, not the makeup artist. Makeup artist isn't on the. That's poster. Jenna Malone. Yeah, um, but they're like in the background, and they're like red, but they have more blue to them. Like almost like they're not, uh, like they're they're almost perfect, but they're but they're not. Yeah. You know? But if they were that full red, then they would be like better. You know what I mean? So it's, just like the color symbolism here is uh, is top notch. And like ironically, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn is uh, colorblind, so he yeah. actually can't see a lot of like hues that like m- most people see. So what he sees is like contrast. So he sees really good with blue and red so that's why especially with like only god forgives his films are very like drive to like yeah like they're very the the contrast with, with colors is very um like hyper um yeah but yet he utilizes that 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 like handicap of his into something yeah. super artistic which is really like cool <laughs> yeah because with the it's awesome in interviews, he was, like, saying, you know, with the cinematographer, when they were first talking and developing color palettes, she would bring him stuff, and he was just like, 
I can't see that. Like, yeah. you have to push the colors more yeah. because I have to be able to see it. And she was just like, she was bringing him like normal, like quote unquote normal palettes or whatever of color that you would have. And she just had to continue to push and push and push until he could see it. And then that's why you kind of, that's why neon tends to be something that he goes for. Like you said, just cause yeah. it's like the dude can't fucking see anything else. So like, he's got to see, you know, he wants color, but he's got to be able to see the color, you know, she, the, in the cinematographer, she's really, uh, unique to, um, like it was, I believe, her idea to uh, put all those uh, lens flashes and flares in um, to the film. Those weren't there initially. Like so, during the the scene, the bondage scene with the strobes, those flashing lens flares weren't there, and that's all digital stuff that they just overlapped onto each other okay. to put it there to really make it even more like real and i guess reffin saw that and was just like whoa yes i mean if you <laughs> the flashes in the, the runway scene are clearly cameras and i almost yeah, wonder if they're were... supposed to be the same thing in that yeah in the party scene if it was people taking pictures because if you're having a big show like that you have photographers right around, yeah right? which is so pretty cool kind of wonder if that's what that was supposed to be but i did like the, the flashing does add a nice layer to it because like it's all flashing i mean you're flashing between them yeah what looking at each other and the flashing between the the fucking model moving lifting lifted up or yeah. whatever and like and like they shot it on anamorphic lenses so those lens flares are just going to pop up anyway yeah. you know yeah. which is yeah. like sick um, so i thought nicholas winding refn used the uh, like the same cinematographer for a lot of projects and it seems like this is his first time working with natasha is it just because uh, he didn't want a man uh working camera for this he doesn't he, he actually doesn't he hasn't used a lot of the same people because he used uh thomas newton seigel for drive larry smith for only god forgives natasha Breyer for neon demon and then um oh yeah uh larry smith i think for bronson so i think he's worked with larry smith i think twice oh um, I see. oh yeah you're right and then huh. everybody else i think he's kind of changed it up Mix it up. That's kind of cool. I yeah. like that he, uh, especially because he has like this distinct style, um, right? And I imagine it's hard for the cinematographers to like pick up and uh, figure out like how to do this type of lighting that he yeah. wants. Uh, and he, he, like he surrounds himself with very talented people. Like Larry Smith was Stanley Kubrick's main lighting guy. Um, he wasn't. Oh, a no cinema- he wasn't a cinematographer. Larry at the time. Smith did Fear X too. Yeah, like he- oh, that's right, Fear X. So Morton Soberg did. Uh, he did all three pushers, pushers. Bleeder, and Bron. Uh, not Bronson. Valhalla Rising. Okay. So, and those have that more documentary feel. All of those yeah. films too. Um, right. But Larry Smith did Fear X, Bronson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, drive was newton like you said he hate, uh, only god forgives yeah only god forgives yeah larry smith okay so yeah so he has some but it seems to be just on a project by project basis like yeah, yeah. like what would be good fit? for the project he's which got is cool he's got darius uh i believe darius volsky um for uh to to live uh too young to die uh too too, too old to die too young. old to die young um which is you know he's a big big time cinematographer so to have that as it on a tv show is pretty fucking sick too what is he um what has he done uh i believe it's um darius i think it's darius volsky or darius kanji i always get those guys mixed up um but i uh god damn it um he now did an agatha darius christie Wolsky? movie what he directed uh agatha christie's 
Marple. Yeah, Miss Marple. Yeah. What? (laughs) He did that because doing the new Sakari. He was completely bankrupt. Um, right after oh. Fear X, so yep. he did that to get money. <laughs> wow, yeah. dude! Um, so Darius Walski, uh, I think so. Darius Walski, I think is he did. He's doing the new Sicario movie. Uh, oh, he did The Martian. Wow, he's done a bunch of Hollywood stuff. Pirates of the Caribbean. Let's see. Um, Darius Kanji. Okay, so I got the Darius Frost. Oh, oh, so Darius Kanji is the cinematographer for his new stuff, and he did uh, Seven. Um, for David Fincher, Ooh, seven is he good. did Oakja, he did um, The Lost City of Z, he did Woody Allen's Irrational Man, um, he's done uh, The Immigrant by James Gray, uh, all, all a whole bunch of great films, Funny Games, the 2008 remake. Oh, good. oh wow! Um, good. Yeah. yeah, so he, uh, you know, Dairy, uh, Danny Boyle's uh, The Beach. I mean. He uh, oh, he did Oakja too. The Netflix going yeah. back to our Netflix, yeah, that's yeah. Funny. Nicholas Winding Refn like definitely surrounds himself with like talented people. He you could tell he's got a vision and then he he wants it executed right, so he gets the correct person for the job, which is pretty. Yeah, cool. that's cool. I like oh, yeah, people who like who stuff. do that. I really appreciate because I, I I think some directors, um, you know, like Spielberg and uh, even Spike Jones. Like w- when I first was look- looking into their work. I was like, wow, this is very Spike Jones, so cool. And then I realized that like what I liked about Spike Jones was actually the writer uh, Kaufman, right? And and what I liked about the visual style of Spielberg was like his, you know, cinematographer, right. you know, and like <laughs> Janice and, uh, Kaminsky, yeah, Kaminsky and fucking Dude's Richardson so good. with Tarantino. Yeah, so cool. I think it's cool that when directors uh, mix it up, you know, and yeah, yeah you got to have your A team, you know, and I think it's honestly you can do whatever the hell you want you know obviously this is an industry where that doesn't matter you know um but uh i like it when people kind of mix it up and do something different yeah and it also that's what i like about both of these movies actually like ghost and this movie is it feels like it's this like new thing that both these people are doing Mm -hmm. right right it also comes down to the cost and scheduling too sometimes you can't get the same people neon demon was shot for a tiny budget of seven million, yeah, um, compared to his and other that's stuff, including marketing, right? Which is so nuts. I mean, it was it was shoestring compared to like Drive and even Neon Demon or um, Only God Forgives had more money, um, and a lot of that money was subsidized by um, was it where was he shooting Thailand? Because uh, Thai yeah, boxing, yeah. So a lot of it was subsidized by them too. Yeah, um, Bangkok. Yeah. yeah, Bangkok. That's right. Um, it- yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because like the Neon Demon is like thirty-five or so minutes oh, actually, longer. I, I guess than only God forgives <laughs> has a smaller budget. Sorry, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I, real quick, I guess since Jacob kind of said, you know, what draw drew him to Ghost, I guess we should just quickly state, like, I mean, kind of have already, but who's asking? Definitively <laughs> state what it is about the movie that we dig, um, Byron. If you just want to kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, oh God, I could just go on and on. But I mean, I think it just the mood and the atmosphere of what he does and how he can tell a story through almost just images is what I find so appealing and what I've always found interesting when it comes to film. So he kind of like represents what all the, all everything that I like in films. Um, so with this movie, I mean, there's not a lot of dialogue and it's, it's 
kind of superficial um in a sense and i i don't know i just like that i he he doesn't you can tell he's making it because he wants to make it and that's what's in his head even if it's not all in his head beforehand because he 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 does like at the, the whole ending of this film uh was completely the original ending was completely scrapped yeah he could he, and he didn't know what was how it was going to end and through the process of working with the actors he came up with a new ending which i think i this the ending sequence in this film is my all-time favorite ending of any movie like it the last 20 minutes of this movie it, it's just fucking insane like it's it's my favorite <laughs> ending in any movie like it's i, I don't know how how it's just so like ah, god I, I don't know how to describe it in words it's like everything like the color of the fucking blue carpet and how that matches with the red lens flares by the pool three minutes beforehand like like everything is fucking correlated so fucking well like i just and it's like there's hardly any dialogue there and and the fact that when like abby lee is on the couch waiting as her friend is getting you know shot with the photographer and and she's just like looking out and then the photographer comes over and notices her and says you know like you know i want you and says you're fired and 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 then the the girl like runs off and, and then abby lee is sitting there and she smiles and she puts her head down and the way the hair covers her face you only see one eye and then she fucking ends up eating an eye at the end of the movie it's like (laughs) it's like all these little things that are so fucking detailed that i just or that are just genius to me and that's what i like about this film every single thing that if you really look at it means something like he's not someone that just points the camera and tries to capture something It, it is orchestrated um and you may not realize it until you watch it five times. And like that smirk that she does right before she sees the eye or eats the yeah. eye, like the eye is, you know, she's just staring at it and she just does that lip movement. It's yeah. like, for me, the epitome of what acting is. She doesn't do anything but one fucking movement and you know exactly what all the emotions that she's, yeah. that's running through her and, and yeah. she just fucking goes for it. And then the ending sequence... Ah, oh, just oh my god, yeah. It's, it's there's definitely a turn. It's yeah. like it's like Drive, where there's like definitely this moment where there's a turn. Yeah, right. And you and then you don't even know. Yeah, like you can't when you watch this movie and you the first part of it and you're like, okay, I can kind of see, I can see how this might end. Nah, no, nope. no, nope, you're yeah. not even fucking close. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it goes in a direction that is what made it divisive really right um, right you know but also like you could look at the like the ending is still believable you know what i mean like totally. it, it doesn't go off into like some weird deep end like I, if you go back and look at the rest of the movie you could totally buy the ending like if you were surprised about <clears throat> this you know what i mean right right yeah like yeah man because it's like it's it's so interpretive that you can view it on so many different levels too like you can see it as something super real or you can see it as something that's like way more embroiled with like like just on a metaphoric level i guess 
you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, and that's what I like about it is it's so um, it's it's almost like magical realism, you know? Right. Like, it, you could look at it as, and but like looking at it at it as either is this real or not is like defeating. Right. That's like not the point at all. Right. Like the point is like that this is what you're seeing. And uh, and what all these things represent is is way more important than whether or not it's real. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people who attack the movie were like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. It's all surface level. But it's like, it's a fairy tale. <laughs> Keith, Keith and Ghost? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. That's not a fair. I mean, I looked into Whoa. Ghost. I tried to give Ghost its its fair share. And like I said, there were stuff about it that I liked. But some of the plot was, you know, it's just... No, I, I'm just. It had just, it had I'm just depth in plot. It just didn't have. It, we had weird plot holes, I guess. Well, both of these films are are films that you either are on the carpet and it'll take you, it'll fly off, or you know, with you, yeah. or it won't. You know, like one will yeah. be a rug and one will be the magic carpet. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's 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 up to the to the viewer. Um, They're very divisive. Yeah. You know, like I think Ghost wasn't as divisive when it came out. You know, it was had critical acclaim. People were seeing it all over the world. Right. But now people looking back at it, they're like, what the hell is this movie? I've read <laughs> I've read so many reviews of people who like watched it in the past like five years. And they're like, why does this have awards? Like people are just like offended <laughs> that the movie even exists and that Whoopi Goldberg has an Oscar. You know what right, I mean? Like right. people were uh, and I think Neon Demon has that same effect, but just like has that effect today um which i i think is really interesting that both these movies are are kind of like that and they're they're very uh, divisive so what did you like about the indian i mean pretty much what you said nailed it for me i get really enthralled i've been more recently enthralled with sound sound design music um because this movie exists the reason why this movie is most so successful for me is because of the distinct lack of sound in some scenes, like yeah. that first scene when they're talking to each other and it's just dead fucking silent <laughs> and the conversation is just awkward almost. And like, and then you get these crazy scenes of some of the best cinema music, yeah. soundtrack music I've heard in a movie. Um, and then just the tone, the violence of it, I really dig that. Um, I was just, the cinematography is just, what I aspire to that look is just, it's just really just got, you know, grabbed me and just held me there yeah. um, with the neon look and everything else. Um, and the plot or lack thereof, like I don't need plot in a movie to make a movie good. And like, there is plot in the movie and you can say that it's shallow and that's a fair thing to say. And, yeah. but it's also like allegorical, you know, it's not supposed mm-hmm. to be deep either. It's supposed to just be representation. And then you get the feeling, you know, cause how fucking deep is modeling? How deep is, yeah. you know, maybe I don't exist in that world as a model. So maybe it's deeper, but a lot of people see it as literally skin deep, yeah. you know, skin deep. Like yeah. it's not, and he's toying with that and he's toying yeah, with yeah. that in a lot mm-hmm. of different ways. So that to me is also the shallowness of the plot. If you say there is shallowness also just implies the shallowness of the industry the and yeah. the context, yeah. the content, everything else about it. So like, yeah. and it's just, it just, everything, like the characters are so, they're like almost Lanthimos in their delivery of mm-hmm. things, but mm-hmm. it's like creepier than Lanthimos. Lanthimos is just like his, his, his delivery for actors is sterile. It's so matter of fact. Too, yeah. 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 
Where this is kind of matter of fact, but it's like creepy because of like, and then just the way it like, you know, you're kind of like, you know, when you first see Dean in that first scene, you're like, dude, this dude is creepy. And he is creepy. You know, he's like, he's 16 year old chick, right? And, (laughs) and, but he's not the worst of the worst. Right. And like the photographer, Jack or whatever, he's like, you're like, dude, he's going to get this chick naked and what the hell's going to happen? And all it turns out to be is like a photo shoot with gold painted right, on it, which right. is creepy too because he is hand, handily yeah. painting gold on this yeah. person. He doesn't know he's 16, but he <laughs> yeah. probably knows he's 16. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, like but he's, he's not, not the ask. worst. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's not going to ask. He, you know, and he's not the worst. And the guy, the runway model guy, he's like, he's probably the biggest cause of what kills Jesse in the end. But he's like not the worst. He's a total narcissistic cunt. Yeah. But he's not the worst. You know, the worst is is really the ones who are like end up literally devouring her. You know, <laughs> the 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 chick who is her friend the whole time, but it's actually a, an occultist. You know, who bathes in her blood. Um, you know, it's like it's it's just weird the way he plays with what you think is bad and what's not bad, and then you just you can't be prepared for the way this thing just right. goes off the rails. Like yeah. she fucks a corpse. Like, is anyone out there? <laughs> like that's what that happens in this movie, and then you know they obviously kill her, and then she bathes in her blood, and then she has her weird like full moon period on the floor, you know, where the blood comes out of her, and like the two women are like in a shower together, like, you know, showering yeah. off the blood and like, and she's watching them in, and like, she's watching yeah. it happen yeah. and like loving it. And, and then she's like, in a garden and then know? she's in a garden yeah. and she's in her open grave. Just that shot of the grave is amazing. Yeah. Too. It's like, a great the, shot. Yeah. Great shot. And you know, the fact that at the very end they do one last little cannibalism where she fucking gorges herself with scissors because she's trying to pull Jesse yeah. out of her and she pukes up the, the, the sound design of that the sound design is just yeah. brutal and she's just crying and then she just eats it and walks away and you're just that's it that's the end of the movie and you're yeah just like, like she she literally fucking becomes like the supermodel yeah and it ends on a commercial you know it ends with the typical oh, the, that is you know it ends with the typical complete like salt flat yeah. desert flat area with the woman with the flowing hair, slow motion, Jesse, sunset. It ends on the commercial. Yeah. She fucking made it. She made it fucking big. And it ends, you know? Yeah. And it's like, fuck. And then it, that song is, I, it's not my type of music, but that song is great. I've listened yeah. to that song over and over again, over the ending. I think it contrasts well with the rest yeah. of the movie. The beginning, the the credit sequence is great. Oh, great yeah. music. Um, awesome intro. His His labeling that he does, that sort of like, you know, it's kind of like a... It's a perfume ad. I mean, basically, yeah. he's making the it like The NWR, yeah. right underneath the title. Exactly. Yeah. It's just it's, like, yeah. it's it's like YSL, you know, V. St. Laurent, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's he's branded it, and it's all tied in with beauty and... Exactly. And, and, uh, and then you get weird that. shit like the, the mountain lion scene, which is... These scenes just happen, and there's problems, but they kind of just also just end. Like, yeah. that scene just ends with... Yeah. And there's no no tie up to the fucking mountain lion yeah. being there it's just a metaphor for yeah, everything the guy, else you the know? guy from breaking bad with the yeah. bat yeah. <laughs> yeah he plays the the druggy guy keanu reeves's fucking roommate or whoever yeah. the hell he is like and then keanu reeves being in there which is another like here's this actor in this completely bit part that is entirely creepy and it's he's just, not some small time dude it's and the same reason there. why he was in the bad batch 
Pretty much, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Just kind of like it's almost like superfluous, like you know, surface level. Like here's yeah. a dude, you know, here's an actor, and he's there, and like he probably just did that for like nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's yeah. I don't know. There's just so much about the movie that's just like every time I watch it. I learned, I get something, some new idea out of it. When I first watched it, I could like for a week straight, I just could not think of any other movie besides that movie. <laughs> yeah. It was just in my head the whole time. And like, I was in the theater, just like, you know, some, you know, when you sit in the theater, you're like chilling. I was like leaning forward, like just enthralled, yeah. you know, like, and it's just, there's something about it that just over all his other stuff. I love his stuff. I love, obviously like love all of his stuff, but there's something about this one that was like, really just like when i saw it, it was immediate like right. the connection you know so yeah um I, I ju- yeah like and i i love how he oh, dedicates wow. it to his wife at the end you know with the little oh, heart is that, you is know that, for live yeah yeah for live yeah. and then the heart and then she's that in the movie is hilarious yes. yeah she's in the movie she's uh the scene in the diner after the runway show yeah and uh you know Carl Glusman's character and her are by at the oh, sit is she down. In the table behind them. She's at the table behind them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, yeah, and that's and that's yeah, that's kind of cool. That's cool. Yeah. Holy crap! I didn't realize that we're already at an hour forty-five. <laughs> um, shit. So. Well, we're not doing roundtables. I don't think we're not doing roundtable. <laughs> but there is. Some we other should do roundtables. We um, there are some other things we need to do, including well, the giveaway. I'll, well, I'm kind of curious if there's anything that. Jacob didn't like about the Neon Demon because so we, really sh- right? we really kind of like pooped on Ghost there for a bit. So <laughs> it, we, I want to give I want to like, give Heath, or whole, Jacob the I want to give Jacob the 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 floor the the floor about well, this film for a bit. Here's the thing: is is uh, I really like Neon Demon. I th- I think it's Reffin's best film that that I've seen, and I've only seen three of his movies. <laughs> um, and what I would rather do than me, what three on have Neon you Demon, seen? Was it's Drive, Neon Demon, and Only God Forgives? Only God, okay. Oh, so you have seen Only God Forgives? Okay, okay, okay cool. Yeah, I just okay. watched it a long time ago. I didn't get it, and I didn't like it because I didn't get it. And I really want to watch it again um, bec- after watching Neon Demon because I'm like, okay, I, I think I just. I wasn't like mature enough to understand the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's weird how age changes your perspectives on. Oh yeah, for sure. But uh, what I would rather do is have a good conversation about Ghost than <laughs> like one where you guys aren't screaming at me about how stupid it is. Well, I didn't uh, scream at you. Well, I'm, I, I guess I'm heated. just talking about Keith. Keith got heated. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I, I think we can just let it let it go. I mean, I, honestly, it's it's. Because it, it's weird because I wish that I didn't like Neon Demon as much because then we could have, <laughs> like, a more divisive conversation. But I just, I honestly really liked it. And uh, these two movies, it's hard for me to pick between them. You know, like, it's, like, I thought Neon Demon was that good. Um, oh, cool. Obviously, I pick, pick Ghost more because it touches my heart a little bit more. But uh, Neon Demon is just a really, really good film. And it's definitely up there um, in in my imaginary list of movies that are good you know what oh, i mean oh sweet yeah yeah right on yeah. cool so, well i, I apologize yeah, I, for getting emotional <laughs> about um ghost hey you're an emotional guy just not emotional <laughs> enough to understand ghost i think i just not, I mean, i'm stone cold <laughs> void where my heart stone is cold. yeah you're yeah. jenna you're the jenna character. i'm jenna alone in neon demon yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah i like the the ending of neon demon was what 
sold it for me. The, it's specifically the eating of the eye. Like that when that happened, I was like, "This is, this is sick." Like it touches. Like before on... that, I was like, "I'm like this is a really good movie and really cool soundtrack and yeah. whatever." But uh, as soon as she ate the eye, I was like, "This movie is saying shit to me." You know, what it, I mean? it, yeah, it's like it touches on that like Salvador Dali, Louis Bunuel, like surrealism. Uh, that like it's like intelligent, but it's not like saying it's intelligent if that makes sense you know what i mean it like, just kind of exists as a thing yeah and it's like avant-garde or not like, yeah it's like, kind of avant-garde like that scene yeah. is so avant-garde like we didn't even talk about how in that scene she's sitting in a triangle when yeah. she died when she gores herself yeah. with the scissors yeah. she's and you in the triangle. And you hear the first scissor penetrating her stomach before he actually does like you actually it's off screen it's off screen yeah. it's like whoosh, whoosh, and then it's it cuts to those red yeah. lens lens or red lights from outside and it's just like these jarring like quick like cuts but it fucking works and then you see everything through there the the uh abby lee's the eye um, lenses uh eye sunglasses and yeah it's just it's super like out of this world but fucking in the world i don't know man oh okay one thing i want to mention uh because i forgot to mention this uh in ghost demi moore is uh i think she is the prettiest crier in the history of humanity <laughs> like like uh, like movies where there's like tears and stuff like she takes the cake as far as like um being like she's almost more pretty when she's crying you know what I mean? <laughs> like she she has like a like a there's like a sparkle in her eye and like she or like her green eyes mixed with like that pink that you get when, when you know and it, i don't know if she's actually crying they could be just throwing some shit in there but like the combination of her short hair with the green eyes with her like pale skin um and and that tiny little bit of irritated uh, like pink eye that you get when you cry is just <laughs> like i was like oh man this is fucking good uh, <laughs> so that um that for me is like a, a, another just like great detail that that Ghost has that um, really I think works for for the for yeah. the sensuality of the movie. Both of these movies end with women crying, which is interesting because like Abby Lee here, like when she takes her sunglasses off and she takes the she's not eyeball, was... she has she has tears coming out of her eye. Oh, is she like running down like and as oh, she yeah. does this, you your your eyes actually gravitate towards her fingers and the saliva string that's like coming off but she's actually she's got tears running down her face like she's fucking made it like tears of happiness right you know like she you could look at it the other way though like i don't want to do this and uh like this is my only quote-unquote friend like yeah like i'm giving up everything for my career i think i think i think it's like for me i just read it like no she's staring at it and that's why she does the lip smirk movement because right, it's like right. she's 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 on the hunt now she's got it see that's right, why i love yeah. that though like, like this uh, movie yeah. you can just look at it from either side she, she knows that she's strong enough to keep l fanning's character in her stomach whereas the other girl she wasn't strong enough she didn't want it as bad you yeah. know when she's like oh well you couldn't handle her in her stomach so you had it you threw her up not only could i handle what is in my stomach but i can handle what was in your stomach you couldn't fucking digest and i'm gonna fucking yeah. eat the last fucking drop like, of i'm it. the real yeah. neon yeah. demon yeah. you know and that's it, the thing yeah. too is the neon demon is like what the fuck is it who is it because the neon the, demon it's could like be everyone the city of los angeles it could, could be, be fashion it could be beauty it could be 
what we've already discussed. It could be so much. I know. Uh, it's a great name it could, for it. It could be like the 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 head supermodel, like right. the one who's like coming up, and it keeps it moves from person to person, right. and occasionally you're the neon demon. Yeah, because she could. Yeah. The movie could have ended with her being the neon demon. Exactly. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um. Okay. Let us take a quick, quick break. I know this episode's getting long, but we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with um, takeaways we can recommend, which I think is Jacob's this week, and then we'll do the giveaway because we said we would do the giveaway on the 50th episode. So, um, yeah. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> Um, so we're going to start off with a couple of takeaways, and then Jake will do his weekend recommends. Um, I think for Roundtable, we can skip it because pretty definitively say that Jacob likes ghosts and we pick Neon Demon. So. Yeah. Um, but for, for me, I just want to point out, these these are close. These are on, these are a lot closer than I thought they would be. Oh, cool. So, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised yeah. by that. That's awesome. That's yeah. <laughs> Sweet. hope we can find a movie that we like that you really just hate. That yeah. You can yeah. just have a have your time to just <laughs> really rail it. Up or yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's really funny because I feel like I, I some of the movies that I've brought, you guys are just like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> and a lot of the movies you guys have brought that you guys thought I would hate, like, I'm just like, yeah, this is really good. Like, I yeah. love this. And then the, uh, the, there is some movies that we hate that we all hated, like oh, yeah. Boondocks or something. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I don't know. We'll find boondocks. one eventually, God. I'm sure. Don't even, let's not even talk about Boondocks. Ever. <laughs> what is Boondocks? Just ignore it. All right. Just quick, I got two quick takeaways here. Um, Basically, like what you like and don't feel like you need to justify it. Um, yeah. Unless it's a superhero movie because those are just all bad. <laughs> all just fucking terrible. In which case, you have terrible taste in movies. Uh, but, but you like Logan, right? Yeah, yeah Logan. I, I'm you obviously like Logan. being facetious with that. I, I did like Logan. But most of the Marvel <laughs> movies I really don't like. Um, hey, so. you don't have to justify yourself. I know. I don't have to, <laughs> I'm not justifying it. I'm saying I don't like it. So there you go. Um, and also, number two, emulating filmmakers you like is just how things go. And uh, all artists take from other Everybody artists. Everybody does it. Until they can find their own voice or style. Um, that's just I mean, that's literally just the, the path. Yeah. So, Ingmar Bergman, Tarkovsky, yeah. Kubrick, they all took Akira Kurosawa. They all took things from other filmmakers and I mean, made it, and made I can, it their own. like my visualization for films has been forever altered by this movie by neon demon like it's just yeah i was never into the i was more into the old school noir look but now i'm more into like that neo noir like kind of neon but also shadowy yeah. like look too so cyberpunk yeah. look because kind neo of neon. neo neon yeah. neon there you go Cy- <laughs> cyberpunk that is kind of what it is it is very like cyberpunk without Dude. having cyberpunk content. without having the content it's the look yeah. right it's That's like if you looked at like yeah. altered carbon with like the first episode of it's pretty similar yeah no um, i which yeah. i love no, i can see it love cyberpunk look looking stuff um you know blade runner too obviously had that look too blade um runner. Yeah, do you guys have any anything uh, you want to say takeaway I just wise? I just want to second your takeaway. Sure. Uh 
with and add to it. Like what you like, and don't like who cares? Yeah, you know, because it doesn't matter. It's a fucking movie. Just because um, I railed on ghosts doesn't mean people shouldn't like ghosts. I right, mean, but you're whatever. also like entitled to rail on whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Um, but uh, also make what you want to make. Exactly. Dude. Like so, same thing. If you're a filmmaker, you know, don't don't be afraid to like challenge people on set who especially if you're the director i th- this happens to me on occasion where like someone else has an idea and i'm like oh yeah that might be better and then i do it and it sucks yep you know um which is you gotta find that balance but, you gotta uh, be you you be you you be you you know <laughs> and honestly that's why i like spielberg doing his ready player one like because I, <laughs> I thought it i thought it worked because it felt it felt spielberg even if it was like just the brand of spielberg um, it just felt right. Something <laughs> felt right about it. Even though it, it's not my favorite movie, but something felt right about yeah. it. Well, I totally agree with those takeaways for sure. I guess my biggest takeaway, though, um, is uh, movies that rely on images to tell a story. I think that's, that's, like in most of my films, I hardly have any dialogue. Because what I find interesting is cinema working on the level through image as language. And... Um, my biggest takeaway is that is that in our modern day, especially with images being so prevalent and readily available to us through social media and 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 everything, the language of image is more important than ever. Yeah. And if you can tap into someone's emotions through just image alone and no dialogue, I think that's something special. So I think that's what I strive as a filmmaker and that I want to keep continually to push myself for. So that's my biggest takeaway is uh, the, the, the relationship between like image and editing and cinematography. Yeah. I think I've said that before too, like film cinema movies are a visual medium first and foremost. So, you know, everything else helps it, but it is a visual medium. Um, Unless if your sound is bad, (laughs) right. Then then your visuals are bad. Yeah. Might as well just have no sound. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It'd be better. Yeah. Just right. put like a track on it or something. Yeah. All right, Jacob. What do you got for us for weekend recommends? Because it's yours oh, this week. It is mine. Um, you know, I slip. I slip. I'm a selfish guy, so I slip some uh, some in here on occasion. You know, just for me. So uh, I got this little movie. It's um, it's based. It's it's a board game adaptation. Oh God. Do you guys know what it is? Oh, I, I, well, I, I know because I've seen it. It's, so. it's, but it's, I want to. I want to see Byron Gets. Is it? Is it fucking Dumanji? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> not. Okay, is it? Was is that it, a board game? Oh no, it's a board game, game within the movie, isn't that it? That became yeah, like a board a, game. Okay, so after. then is it? Yeah. is it um, Ouija? No, it's a board game. I guess I wouldn't call that one. It's pretty obvious. Okay. the oh, movie okay, is I'll, the board game. The movie, the name of it. Okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say it. Yeah. Clue. Oh. <laughs> I should have gotten Damn. that one. <laughs> Clue, freaking uh, hilarious movie, um, and I know what you guys are thinking. You know, the listeners, how could a board game adaptation be good? Uh, well, it's a murder mystery. Because it's, uh, yeah, it's a murder mystery. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> it's, I think it's the best board game adaptation around, and I think. Uh, as far as board game adaptations go, we everyone has like a sour taste in their mouth when <laughs> when you hear those 
three words board game adaptation like combined but uh you know this came out in 1985 has some amazing performances it it was kind of like the board game adaptation before it became like a thing that studio movies were like trying to do on the regular um so it's a lot it's a lot smaller of a movie but it's fucking hilarious and it's super quotable so just you know go give it a shot it's awesome all right Thank you so much for that recommendation. I don't know. If, I don't think I've seen that movie. Actually, I haven't seen so it. Yeah, I've never seen I can't it. say. Maybe we should do a board games adaptation. Episode. We should. We yeah, should. We should. yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Honestly, I think you guys would like it. I think it's your guys' kind of humor. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, because it's, uh, you, you know, it's 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 just like so. I don't know. It's just good. Just fucking watch just it. watch it. That's Sweet, why he's yeah. recommending it. Just watch. That's it. That's why it's a recommendation. <laughs> Right. Skip Neon Demon, watch Clue. So we're finally at the point that everyone cares about um, the giveaway. So Jacob is going to basically we're you can just take it. I'll away. just say, yeah. Okay, so first and foremost, we just want to thank everybody for participating in this. Totally helps our channel, uh, helps our listenership, and you know, getting some reviews is also really nice and we really like what everyone had to say about our show uh so thank you all so much for that and for participating um so what i have here is a random number generator um that has uh the uh, so let's see it has an, a max number um so from one to a a number um and uh basically if you you know, reviewed us and de- followed all the instructions. We we found all those things and um, put your name in the hat, uh, essentially for however many things you did. So I don't, I'm not going to list it all because you guys all know. Um, but I'm just going to, and uh, then I numbered everybody's names. So I'm just going to hit generate, and we have number 26, which is Casey Rom. Ram. Casey Rom. I would say Rom. R A H M, I think is what it was. So K A C I E R A H M. Casey Rom is Casey the Rom. big winner of the first ever back to back films podcast movie ticket giveaway. Woo. So woohoo! I'll yeah. play. I'll like insert a. I should just insert a sound. Crowds, if I remember. Cra- like clapping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. So what we'll do is reach out to Casey and let her know that she's won. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. We'll see if uh, we'll see if she reaches out out to us first. <laughs> we'll see either way. Yeah, sometimes people either listen way, to episodes yeah. way after, like you know, skip a couple of weeks. Way so. after, yeah. So we'll, we'll wait a little uh, bit. We'll get in, yeah and see, and then uh, get a hold of you, Casey. Yeah, and we'll yeah we'll just have you uh, send us your address, and we'll just mail them to you like 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 it's the 18th century so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and again thank you so much for everyone who participated yeah, thanks, it really guys. really did help um and we will be doing another giveaway soon um yeah of something whether it's tickets or something else but we'll be doing another one because they're fun to do and we like the interaction um so <clears throat> we'll probably try and do it again where uh, we only say it on the episodes, and then as it gets closer, we'll start to blast it on social media uh, to give the listeners, you know, uh, kind of yeah, a give head them start. the leg up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, and yeah, I didn't have too much more prepared for that. Besides that, um, again, just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Yeah, um, thank you. To everyone who reviewed us like and wrote reviews, mm-hmm. that was seriously awesome. That was really uh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I know Casey did one. Uh, Brittany. Evan Christopher did one. Evan Christopher Evan, did yeah. one. Like all the people who like sat down and like wrote what they liked about the show, that it was just it felt so nice yeah. to to read that stuff because yeah. that's that's what we need to, uh, you know, to try and make our sh- thing better. And yeah. it just kind of felt good. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely like to change things that we think will benefit the listeners, you know, and make it more fun to listen to. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, and the reaction or the interaction is just awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We we really want that. We want more of that. We want to be interacting with people and talking and telling us why our opinions are shit. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, why especially, Ghost is the best movie ever, yeah. you know? Especially so. Keith's opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I tend to be more out there with the opinions. So tell me why I'm wrong. Let's do it. Um, I promise not to all caps type at you. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Uh, so I think we're good. So if you have any questions, topics, suggestions, or opinions, go ahead and send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. Also visit our Facebook page, comment on or discuss this week's episode or any of the past episodes, uh, or just if you have you know opinions or whatever. Uh, if you like the show, please rate it five stars on Facebook or and or wherever you listen to it because it helps others find us. Um, and leave reviews too because reviews, you know, people can see a five star and might just brush it off but a review actually gives them something tangible to yeah. look at um so please yeah uh you can also follow us on letterboxd at jc Fultz 24 for jacob and hyperion creator for me byron someday will have his up here <laughs> i keep forgetting to ask him so I, do. <laughs> I have one i just I, there's nothing on it right now right. i think i only have like blade runner 2049 that's it oh see i try to do at least some sort of review for every movie yeah, whether it's start doing some it. get long some are just one sentence i don't know yeah. you can get my thoughts and uh, if you like star reviews, obviously I leave a star review for every movie right. too. Do you need um, more than just Blade Runner on Letterboxd? I think that's enough. <laughs> that is the definitive Letterboxd. Especially movie. for the communities on Letterboxd. I feel like, they're like uh, oh yeah, I just reviewed Blade Runner. Like, yeah, five stars. They're like, what? Yeah. How, do you, how do you not use this religiously? Yeah. Um, so next week we are going to have another guest on, which... Short note, like we usually try to space out our guests more, but um, this worked out this way. So we're going to be covering her and Under the Skin with special guest Don Dietrich, who is a film studies professor from Western, who we all had classes with. Yeah. Um, some of you guys, I think you had multiple classes with her. Yeah. Uh, She's great. She she has some great English courses. I feel yep. like this will be a very like literary conversation. Very much, yeah. And mm-hmm. it'll be kind of focusing on genders in film or uh, gender subversion in film. Yeah, um, yeah. gender and sex. Gender, and yeah. Sci-fi. All the dirty intelligence stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, she does. She, she loves that stuff. Yeah. She loves trash, trash exactly. cinema, and yeah. oh my god, she's totally awesome. And she comes, like you said, comes from the English side and has many more years of study than we do on these subjects. So her, is, she's gonna have a very valuable perspective yeah. Um, yeah. to bring into. So plus, she probably likes ghosts. So yeah, she's so obviously really to, smart. Yeah, exactly. You have someone to go to bat for you, uh, which is funny because she also probably liked. I yeah. would imagine she liked neon. Yeah, I can too, imagine. Oh, we yeah. have to ask. No, her. I, we got to remember to ask yeah. her that because yeah, I'm very to. curious. Yeah, I think um, she's a neon demon over ghost type person. 
It'll be interesting to see. Maybe she hated it. I don't know. Yeah. we got to ask. Yeah, maybe. Um, so Her, which is the Joaquin Phoenix film, uh, the, that's actually Spike Jonze, too. So we're going to finally cover that. Yeah. Um, douchebag. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a Kaufmanless uh, Jones. Yeah. Yeah. And it got a lot of acclaim. And then Under the Skin, so both actually have Scarlett Johansson in them. Yep. Under the Skin is the sci-fi movie, which is super cool because they shot that movie um, very much off the cuff yeah. and secretly yeah. filmed people. So super interesting how that turned out. Um, yeah, Her and Under the Skin. Um, make sure you watch those films to be a part of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Happy 50th. Woo. Yeah. Happy 50th. Congrats, Hell's Casey. Good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>